0: I like to move and it. I like to move and move it. I like to move and move it. You like to move? I like to move
1: and move. I like to move and move. I like to move and move it. You like to
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith.
0: My name is Dan Scully. Is my mic on?
2: Your mic okay. is on. My, my mic is on. Okay. Uh, the audience is hearing us both, thankfully. Uh, we are returning after our very special episode for the uh, the Ghostbusters reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, and we're here for another. We're here and for yet say, another. Before
0: I came here today, I double-checked yep. and I checked out uh, both the DVD of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 on my shelf. Still on your shelf? Still there. Still the exact same movie. Um, Equally as watchable as they've always been. Oh, thank God. Um, I can still press play and get the movie. Nothing. So, all is well, I gotta say. That's
2: all I've been posting about on the internet for the last two weeks. I am so fearful that these ladies are going to erase my favorite movies from existence. Mm -hmm. Thank God they haven't. Still there. Still Still there. there.
0: Woo! Thank God.
2: That is a uh, weight off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we, I, was, uh, I was very happy with that episode. That was like a super fun movie to talk about. I wrote a great article about it, I think, that you can find on oh, Letterboxd yeah. and uh, FarsightedBlog.com about uh, its depiction of weird women uh, and uh, its positive depictions of weird women. Check that out. Um, and uh, otherwise, we're here to talk about uh, yet another reboot, remake, entry in a franchise. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, And uh, I guess, I don't know, should we... I actually didn't think about this before we started recording. Do we want to wrap contest details at the end of the episode? Uh, Well, let's just
0: get through the note. We're going to talk about uh, some Star Trek Beyond uh, when we get started here. After that, we're going to go into a list uh, in honor of the just insanely great performance by Carl Urban. Yes. We want to talk about uh, reboots or remakes, sequels, whatever, in which a character was updated with a new actor. Yep. We're going to rank our top five favorites, and we're also going to reveal the winner of our contest based on our previous list of musicians in movies. Yes. But that will be a little bit later. Awesome. Make sure you guys check out I Like to Movie Movie on iTunes. Yes. Subscribe, leave a review. We want to get to that front page so that we can get more listeners. Yes. And with more listeners means more fun things that we can do for you, and uh, stay tuned on our website we're getting t-shirts soon. So yes.
2: lots of uh, lots of exciting things coming up. Yeah. So we uh You should be able to find that stuff at i like 2 movie.tumblr.com, mm-hmm. facebook.com/i like 2 movie, uh, i like 2 movie on Twitter. That's with the number 2. There you go. Yeah. Easy uh, as that. Hit me, with, hit me with your Star Trek Beyond. Uh, 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 um. Captain's ready. Lug. Star date,
0: <laughs> July 28th, 2016. It has been 50 years since the Enterprise crew set out into the stars to spread a message of peace while exploring the final frontier. With the dawn of Star Trek came the birth of a new type of entertainment, heady adventurous sci-fi with an eye toward social progress. It also spawned the world of fandom by birthing the Trekkie, and the Star Trek convention. Many iterations of Star Trek have come into existence TV shows, movies, video games, and now a reboot of the franchise, the latest entry of, with, of which marks not just the series' 50th anniversary, but also the departure of two recently deceased members mm. of the crew. Star Trek Beyond has been warmly received, most notably by the very fans who hadn't quite taken to the reboot franchise's tone, and have cl- have deemed Beyond to be a return to form. So let's start there. Do you agree with this notion? Are you in support of the tone in question? And are you looking forward to future adventures in
2: this universe? I, well, the only way I can answer the first question is, I don't know, because mm. I am. I was never a Star Trek watcher growing up. I have seen... Wrath of Khan and the search for Spock. I've seen First Contact. Maybe I saw Nemesis. I might have seen the original motion picture. I'm not sure. So, like, my knowledge of Star Trek is mostly based in this new series, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe an interesting perspective on its uh, in its own right that I'm sort of a fresh viewer to Star Trek, so I, I kind of only... Have this crew, you know what I mean? It's like I kind of know about the other crews, not a whole lot. Um, And from what I, you know, from seeing Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock, I think the thing that I enjoy most about this whole reboot series is this cast. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that I think is honestly carrying these movies through three entries so far. Mm -hmm. The second one is. I'll actually say this. I don't think any of these three movies are great movies. I think that they live and die on their cast. The casting is so good in these movies. I would gladly watch 45 more entries of Star Trek with these characters.
0: Well, that's where I'm coming from, too, is I I actually don't find any of the Star Trek that I've consumed to be any better or worse than this new franchise. Right, And it has always been about the cast. Yeah. Um, It's it's always been... the reason why some people prefer Star Trek The Next Generation is they like the Generation crew. Right, right. Some people live and die by by uh, Deep Space Nine. Yep. Um, they love that crew. Uh, I'm in the same way. I had never seen a Star Trek anything ever, mm-hmm. except for maybe a handful of episodes. But I was so floored by the 2009 reboot, yeah. I believe it was. I yep. cried at the beginning. Yeah, Actually, yeah, I yeah. remember watching that and being like, see that guy? He's going to be Thor. It's <laughs> amazing to think of how far we've come. Yeah. But uh, I, because of that, I went back and watched... Um, a bunch of the uh, original episodes, a bunch of the original cast movies, some episodes of uh, the Next Generation because mm-hmm. it's on at two in the morning, uh-huh. and I I am in disagreement with the accusation that this new Star this new Star Trek huh, yeah. this new Star Trek is that much different than yeah. any of them. Um, I I really don't find it to be tonally different think, sure there's a, a shinier look because yes. we have a bigger budget and more resources going towards it yes there is more action but i don't i never found it to be at the expense of the character interplay right. and the heady themes right not
2: for a second so i don't i don't agree
0: with that criticism even a little
2: yeah i i i, I feel like i don't know enough to like say that necessarily mm-hmm. But I don't think like, based on my
0: limited yeah. experience of Star Trek, right? But, but I, I also wonder if that makes it more valid that I don't have this this bond of soul to Star Trek to make me feel reactive towards it as we fans. That's tend what to I do. think
2: it is. I think it's more that people lived with that show. I think exactly. the people that are upset about the new movies uh, are people that really lived with that show, and so like to them, there probably is something that is very specifically trekky, quote unquote. Yes. That you or I probably wouldn't even recognize, and they are not getting it out of this, or they felt like they weren't getting it out of this new series. I would say as an outsider looking in, I agree with you, like those three movies, for all the complaining people do, that, uh, hey, they just, you know, Star Trek was always about big ideas, and these new ones are just about big action I feel like there's big ideas in all three of these movies. Mm-hmm. So like I I don't get that criticism.
0: I honestly couldn't relay to you an action set piece from the first two. I haven't seen them in a while. Right, yeah. Um too specifically. Right. I mean, I remember in the second one just because it was in all action movies when we learned how to depict giant ships falling out of the oh, sky yes. yep. into a cityscape. That's something that we know now. Yeah. And so that was part of it. But what I do remember was the the time travel yep. aspect of the first one. They kind of recycled the theme of Uh, logic versus feeling Mm -hmm. uh, between uh, Kirk and Spock in both of them. That was kind of recycled in the second one. But those are the things that I remember. Yeah. I remember the sacrifice of Kirk's dad at the beginning Mm -hmm. because I was so just fucking moved by it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember much action
2: at all. And and I don't think that's to say that the action is not good. And I think it's actually movies. fantastic. It's pretty like the first one, especially. I remember being like really delighted by the adventure action elements of it. Um, but that all I really remember about those movies is how much fun it is to spend time with Kirk, Spock, and Bones mm-hmm. specifically. Um, I like the other characters too, but specifically those three characters. I just like spending time with them, mm-hmm. and I really, really like the actors they cast in all of those roles. They are endlessly entertaining to me. They, they, they all in all three of those movies. They, I feel like all three of those people like really deliver on. uh, uh, This is a maybe. This is a weird comparison. Maybe not, but like they feel like Indiana Jones movies to me. Actually, Mm -hmm. they deliver on this sense of like uh, uh, idealistic men that have very specific ideas about how to solve problems Mm -hmm. and butt heads in their attempt to solve those problems. Uh, But they do it where they're all like kind of roguish, kind of charming, kind of scoundrelly, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like they all have that, like this piece of Indiana Jones in them that when they combine into this force of these three men with different ideas to solve a problem, you get the kind of thrilling adventure that I loved so much growing up in something like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And I know that some original Trek fans get upset at the notion that this is a more Star Wars y version of Star Trek. But I kind of think that all they're really saying is, oh, it's a big adventure, which is what Star Trek yeah. is. Oh, yeah. There's it more zaps be. and beeps. Yeah. But,
0: but I mean, if you look at even the the original cast Star uh, Star Trek movies... Yeah. They are like that. Yes. We just didn't have the budget of the shininess. Yeah. What you're talking about with the character interplay, yeah. what that stems from is when, like we were talking about Die Hard before, how mm-hmm. every character has an arc and they all play well together, is because it was already fleshed out in a book. Yep. This interplay was fleshed out in a series. Yep. There's, I, I don't know how long it ran. We'll say a decade. Yeah, um, something just like for, I, I actually you
2: know, think the original series ran like way shorter than anybody realizes. Yeah, yes,
0: I think that generation, next generation, went longer. That was the just big Because one. It, it went, but. Yeah. The same thing with that is that people come to understand like the first episode of any show sucks because we don't know who these people are. The first season of Seinfeld, I still haven't watched it, but everyone says, hey, you can skip the first season. You kind of can. And it's because it's before we knew what each person stands for. Yep. We come into this new Star Trek world kind of already knowing what they stand for. Mm-hmm. At least the writers already know what what they're going to push and pull against with one this another. This is
2: the role Kirk serves. This is the exactly. role Spock serves. This is the role Bone serves. They know those things going in. And, and then it's a matter of how do you create like really exciting stories to put them at odds with each other? Exactly. You know? And see, that to me is why... I think Star Trek Beyond is
0: getting the press of, oh, this is back to the old style. Yeah. Because whereas Into Darkness kind of really leaned into the whole, what the what do they call it, J.J. J. 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 Abrams secret box. Oh, yes, yes. And then yes. the surprise was, surprise, there's nothing surprising. It's Khan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like their whole thing was... Guess what? We have a bad guy, and it's not Khan. Yeah, I know. You know it's 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 the whole, like, no, 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 dude, I'm not hiding anybody. Just yeah, don't yeah, look yeah. in the closet. Don't look at you know? like the man behind the curtain. And it was, you know, so then, oh, it's Khan. You're like, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, so they really went, this one leans much more on just putting these characters into that situation. Yeah. And so I think it does do that. But once again, it really gelled uh, why I think that the criticism to the other two isn't really that... Uh, isn't really that valid is because this had the same action, yeah. The same like there is a huge action set piece that I loved because it featured uh, my my one of my favorite songs, "Sabotage." That was incredible, which is just so and and it it was a uh, that was my favorite moment in the movie. It was diegetic to it was yes. in the movie and yes. they actually used it even though it was just kind of a, a, a soundtrack song that became Kirk's theme from the first one. Yes, uh, and it's classical music as uh-huh, they which I, I thought that. was very Great funny, joke. but. So there's a big goofy action sequence yeah. that stacks on, you know, five other goofy
2: action sequences. Straight up, the Enterprise goes surfing through space yes. on a wave of fire. Yep. To the song "Sabotage,"
0: using the song "Sabotage" it's, to create the yes, wave of fire. It's amazing, and it all leads up to. Actually, Drew McQueenie's review said that a. Uh, One of the things that could be a problem about it is that it leads to the glowing orb on the top of the mountain climb. Yes. Which is what the ending of this is, is there is a MacGuffin, and there's two guys fighting for it, and they're just climbing to get to it. But it's this beautiful realization of it. It's not at the expense of any of the character work, even in that moment uh, using, uh, what do they call them? I want to call them cell phones. Right, yes. Um, Communicators. communicators, Using their communicators that are not nearly as advanced as my iPhone. Right. Uh, using those, it, it actually works on that interplay more, yeah. and I think that is as a result of a Trekkie wrote it. Yeah, Simon Pegg
2: wrote it totally. He, he the one thing you know what I loved about his script for this especially, it, and this feel it's so funny because this feels like a product of the guy who is playing Scotty currently getting to write his own Star Trek movie. Yeah, all of the third tier characters have huge roles in this. Yep. comparatively to the other two, and. Th- And on one hand, it's like it makes me laugh because it's like, well, yeah, the guy who plays Scotty got to write it. So, of course, he's going to make Scotty a major role. Of course, he's going to give Sulu a bigger role. Of course, you know what I mean? It's like he's he's stacking all these characters on. But at the same time, this is the third entry in what ostensibly should be a long-running series of movies with the same crew. And we've had two movies that focused very heavily on the dynamic, mostly between Kirk and Spock. Like I said, the logic versus passion. Yeah, But mostly between Kirk and Spock. Mm. The idea of having the third entry pair everybody off in different pairings that mm-hmm. seem odd or or in conflict with each other, and getting those third tier players to have ma- a more major role—that's absolutely what you should do with the third entry mm-hmm. and something that ostensibly will have three, four, oh, five you can more movies. That a bunch of, of. different exactly. times and just mix them up. Yeah, that that to me that was the smartest choice he made in writing it. Was sort of being like. All right, you know what? Spock and Kirk, we're going to separate them for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to put Spock with Bones, the guy he's least likely to get along with and be able to work with. We're going to put Kirk with uh, 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 uh mm-hmm. a a which is like I don't even know like in my brain it's like why would you they even clash, do
0: that, but it's more of a with that one I think it's just more of a uh they they kind of have a, a silent respect for one another. Right? Um, Chekhov looks up to him. Yeah, I think that's, that's one what, thing about about Anton Yelkin's uh, portrayal of he's him. He's so youthful. He's youthful and energetic. Yeah. You know, and, and wants to. You know, he he wants very to much be like looks Kirk. up to Kirk. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I, I liked that. Kirk almost resents the fact that he's looked up to. Yes. Despite the fact that he
2: loves being looked up to because he's very cocky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? Mon- uh, the other thing I loved about the script for this was the development of Kirk, mm-hmm. uh, because and it, this made me sad a little bit at first but I started to really like it over the course of the movie. This is a much more mature Kirk than was in the first two movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, this, this is a growing Kirk. I miss the scoundrel that Kirk was in the first movie especially. I, that's just a character I love, you know, like an Indiana Jones-like scoundrel. Oh yeah. He's not really that scoundrel in this movie, but that makes sense for Kirk. He's three years into his experience as finally being the thing that he sort of dreamt of being, but also was only dreamt of being that the the captain of the starship, uh, because he because his father had done it, and he's trying well, to they live even up say to that. His in father. the movie, he said yeah. "You know,
0: my father joined this because he believed he in believed something." In and I forget who says it to him. They're like, "Well, you joined it on a dare." Yeah, yeah I think he, so, says he says, "I joined it on a dare." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, I don't think they lost the scoundrel thing, and I think the end of the movie uh, kind of buys it back yes. because it's it's him going by the book that in, that. Uh, Sort of kicks off the the whole problem that they have to yes. fight, and it's him just going, "All right, let's improvise, let's yep. figure this out." That ends up saving the day, so it, it validates his scoundrelness totally. for future. It's the same thing they did with uh, Casino Royale, mm-hmm. is that they they actually gave Bond a pretty awesome uh, love story, right? And then they killed her. <laughs> now he's a womanizer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's it for at least for the first three movies, it purchased. You know in in a modern sensibility of how we treat uh, women characters in movies, right it purchased the idea that this is that we can still get a womanizing bond, but it's it's actually got a, a meaning to it because he's just, broken we it's, need to cast a new hot yeah. model, you know so they they kind of did the same thing where he's going to be a little bit of a rap scallion in the mm-hmm. future because that kind of worked,
2: yeah. Yeah, but I, I I don't know. I was like fascinated by that. That like mm-hmm. I I feel like often our heroes in these movies, you know, like uh, John McClane. Oh, he'll never grow. When has John McClane ever grown? He's, in the he's first been movie, five and that's mo- it. Yeah, he's been in five movies. He's never grown uh, uh, except for over the course of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare. That- well, he has grown invincible. <laughs> yes, yes, so that's
0: one thing. He went from from notably invincible <laughs> to uh,
2: absolutely unharmable in every way. <laughs> yeah, like bullets bounce off of his eyeball. Yeah. He can uh, launch cop cars uh, hundred feet into the air to destroy helicopters. In the fourth
0: one, he literally grimaces
2: a missile out of the yeah, sky. It's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> he has superpowers, basically. But yeah, they, we don't let our action heroes grow. Generally, that's mm-hmm. like not a thing we do. We just we sort of we like the archetype we've created in them, and we just keep plugging that archetype into different stories. I like that Kirk distinctly has grown even before this movie starts. You know what I mean? Like we begin with a more mature. Kirk, right mm-hmm. at the moment the movie opens, I really like that. I think that's like a really smart choice.
0: They do the same thing with Spock. Yeah, um, in the first two movies, once again, his whole thing is cold logic. Mm-hmm. In this movie, we find out that he's actually wrestling with, you know, his duty bound to build a new uh, Vulcan. Uh-huh. Uh, especially finding out that the alternate reality of him has, has died, yep. uh, which is a great way to send I him really off. Really thought that was great. that was kind of cool. Yeah. But this is a guy who also, you know, really cares about, about. Uh, oh, fuck, now I'm not going to get her name right. Uhuru? Uhuru, that's yeah. it. Um, he's, I was. almost called her by the actress's name. Um, <laughs> Zoe he, uh, you know, he's, he's fallen for her and he loves her now, which love is illogical. Yeah, it always is. Right. That's the thing. And so he's torn between it and the fact that he can't coldly just cut her out. Is shows his growth. Yes, is he still the Spock that considers logic above all things? He's always going to tell you the odds, a hundred percent. But there is growth there, and yeah. I think we need that. Yeah, you know that is important, or else we end up getting that same thematic passion versus logic mm-hmm.
2: passion, which is fine. But we we've been there. Yeah, and I maybe you could criticize it for being cheesy in this regard. But I actually thought this was smart. One of the things that uh, they they did with the script was they have both Kirk and Spock at the beginning of the movie sort of doubt themselves and their mm. position on the enterprise uh and and they're they're both sort of considering leaving starfleet yes. to do something else uh and so then by the end of the movie their growth is to return to the people that they were at the end of you know uh, uh, oh, yeah. into darkness, you know what I mean. It's like it, it, you could you could say that that's cheesy. That all you're really doing is like you're creating a problem at the beginning of the script that the solving of just allows them to be back in the place that, Isn't that they the were. Point of a script though, but yeah, exactly. And to me, it's like that's kind of what you want because you do want to watch six more adventures with these oh, guys. Yeah. But so but I don't do... think it takes away that arc either. No, they it does. do
0: emerge from this groan,
2: yes, exactly. Mm. They, they they grow. They they come out as changed men uh, who thankfully get to return to the position that they weren't in at the beginning of the movie. They mm-hmm. were both doubtful and they return to a position of, no, I know who I am and I know what I do and I know where I'm most capable and most functional. And it's here mm-hmm. on the enterprise. Uh, and that is a good thing because obviously we want to see more adventures with these guys, but had they just started the movie with them being like, yeah, we fucking love Starfleet. Let's go on another adventure. And then they get to the end and they're like, "Woo, we still love Starfleet. Let's have another adventure. That's, that, a movie didn't happen then. Yeah, yeah, There's no movie then. Then it's just the action series. Exactly.
0: Well, this smartly starts off with narration from Kirk, mm-hmm. and his narration is bored. Yep. And it's just and him saying like... And by the way, like, that's
2: very original series, too, oh, yeah. is beginning with the captain's log. Beginning
0: with the captain's log, and it's just we're three, we're three years in yep. of a five-year adventure. Yep. You know, there's a routine my team is good at doing their best to keep it fresh i think he actually says something there's a line where he said it's actually starting to feel episodic yes. and that got a big laugh yep. from the crowd and so that that was a great way to establish that without yep. having you know too much exposition mm-hmm. but one of the lines that i love at the end when they bring uh the i'm just going to call her kingsman um Oh, the, Sophia Batella. Yes. The,
2: yeah. Well, oh, oh. I uh, forget the character's J- name. J- Jai Lee. Michael Jai White. Yeah, no, something uh, like that.
0: Well, when he brings her in, he's like, listen, we pushed it through. You're a member of Starf- Starfleet. There's yeah. a line where he says, there's a lot of rules. Follow some of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something to that effect. Yep. And it that right there represents his growth because yes. the Kirk that we had at the beginning of this franchise reboot was, fuck the rules. Yep. Let's just do whatever. Um, the Kirk we had at the beginning was, well, maybe it's time to settle down. Yeah. You know, let's, I'll be an admiral, I'll do some paperwork. Yep. And then at the end, it's like, listen, I know what I'm good at. Yep. I know I, I'm actually, I get why this system works. But I s I gotta I gotta break some glass. You Me know? and Bones are back in leather
2: jackets. Yep. <laughs> We're ready to get back out there, baby. Getting drunk off of Chekhov's <laughs> stolen whiskey. Yeah. That was great. That dude, that was one of my favorite scenes actually. Mm-hmm. That they take like probably only five minutes of screen time, right? It's like not a huge scene or anything, but the fact that they took those five minutes at all. To just let Bones and Kirk talk to each other like human beings mm-hmm. amidst this huge, crazy universe that we're in where it's like all this future stuff that's really interesting and fascinating. Uh, and there's there's a great political parallel that's going on underneath all the, the whole movie. There's a moment where they just he, he literally says, did you call your mom? Yeah, that's such a humanizing thing for those two men a big to talk thing that about. I almost had forgotten was yeah. that the day he was born is
0: also the day his father dies, yes. and so they tie that into it. Where he's like, "I'll, I'll call my mom on the day." Yeah, you know. And what I what I love about it is this because my my favorite character, hands down, is Bones, mm-hmm. and it's because of the way that they've written him. Is he has no bedside manner. He's nope. always very direct and and forward, and he's always ah, I, I'm here to be a doctor. God damn it, I'm a doctor, <laughs> not a. But. He is the best at immediately diagnosing everybody. Yep. When he sees Kirk, he knows it's his birthday. It's the anniversary of his father's death. He wants to be celebrated, but he can't, he can't afford to be celebrated right now. Yep. I'm going to sneak him a shot of stolen whiskey and just do, do that thing. Yep. Um, with Spock, when um, they're about to, it looks like they're about to get ambushed by oh, people. Yeah. Spock starts to say, like, listen, you know, I know we butt heads, but, and he's just like, you don't have to say anything. I know. Yeah, you know, you don't need to say anything about like he's always one step ahead in terms of diagnosing everybody. Yeah, and that—I mean—I don't know if that is the bones from the show, right. But that to me is is awesome character. Oh work. yeah, because he nobody ever says like, oh, you always know what's up. That's he, your power. <laughs> that never happens. No. But
2: he consistently does with yeah. everybody just this is what this is what's wrong with you he, he you know what i think justin lin really brought to this that i don't know Family? why I, no, yes <laughs> i don't know why people didn't think about that when he got hired to make yep. it it's like this dude has made a career out of bringing a large group of people together and making them feel like a family. And what a I'm, family. A family. Thank and you. what I mean by that specifically is giving them each a very particular role that they serve mm. for each other as a whole. Everybody mm. is a part of a larger whole. And that is what the series, as I understand it from other people, has always been. And I and I don't know that that was necessarily lost in either of the Abrams movies, but it felt most apparent in this movie. That's what put them at odds with the
0: villain, right? Um, the villain's big thing was your unity makes you weak, yep. because you have to give in to one another. Yep. you can't do what it is that you need to get done because you have to go through checks and balances and, and mm-hmm. some type of checkoffs and balances. <laughs> ha, ha, oh, ah, and uh, but then their thing is no, 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 no. Our our family. Our uh, our system of checks and balances is what makes us strong. Yep, and that ends up becoming the duality between them and the villain. Is and what I liked about th- this does have a villain problem in that he's kind of I mean I think in the way that many things do. Yeah, um, I, I think the only movie that ever really solved the villain problem was like The Dark Knight, and they did it <laughs> yeah. by giving him no motivation exactly. but villain, but being villainous. Yeah, so it's almost a cheat. Yeah, uh, this one, sure, it's like a villain problem because he's kind of a one off. Yeah, but. It's also not a villain problem in that he just kind of represents the the one, I don't want to say chaos, but he just represents a a, a completely opposing viewpoint, mm-hmm. but one that within the vacuum of his character feels justified. Oh, yeah. He's not evil. No, nope. He is a victim of the circumstances he was put in, and he is understandably, if not correctly, railing against what put him there. Yes. What put him there was a failure on the part of the system that our you know, our crew trusts. Yeah. And so, you know, it's something that we face even in real life is just how far can we trust the system? But we do have this complicit agreement of there are flaws, but this system is the way for it to go. Mm-hmm. And so the she fact that we have the best results, the best results. Yeah. And so within those results, we have this crew of the enterprise that they do follow the system. hmm but they also kind of have their own system, their yeah. own way of doing yeah. things, their own way of bending the rules. Well, they're a family. They have their because own. they're a family. Yeah. And so that, I, I think I'm like selling myself on this villain just because he functionally works like
2: that so I, well. I actually kind of enjoyed the villain in this because, and, and maybe this is something I, I won't spoil for people, but I'll just say it like this. The twist of the villain at the end, if you take the time to then reconsider his whole story once you know who he really is, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's it's actually really really fascinating how they recontextualize what seems like just a one off villain who's there to just cause a problem for our crew. Like once you really know what's going on with him and what his motivations are, I actually think he's a pretty interesting villain, Mm -hmm. and he's a specifically interesting villain for our crew at this moment in their journey. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Like I saw some people he forces them to double down on feeling necessary. Yes. Well, I saw some people complaining that they don't understand the title of this movie. They're like, "Beyond, beyond what? What do you mean beyond?" It's like, well, there actually is a very literal interpretation of that, which is beyond the nebula. Mm-hmm. They've, that nobody has ever been on the other side of that nebula. Nobody knows what's on it. There's no communication there, so nobody knows what's on the other side. They go beyond it. Uh, but I think that that is, you know, that title is also representative of going beyond that nebula into the unknown. One, that's what Star Trek has always been about, right? It, exploration.
0: Found a frontier. I think he has a line about it. The villain has some
2: line about. I forget what it is. Something about pushing the frontier. Yeah, he does. He says something about that. But it's like it's it's going beyond, you know, be, once you realize what's going on with the villain, it's like it's actually about like what is uh, what is beyond like uh, our um our understanding of of humanity and our capabilities. It's like this this particular villain has gone beyond what uh Starfleet has sort of deemed uh, right and mm-hmm. righteous, he. But he went beyond that. Before there was really a star, that's the whole thing of his story. Is like he went beyond that before there was a Starfleet, mm. and the idea of Starfleet takes away from him what his ideals are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a way, like there's even a line where I felt like I was listening to Trump. He says something to the effect of, "I just want to go back to the way things were. We were better." when we were at war, mm-hmm. is essentially what he says. That war is what drives us. War is what, you know, we have to have problems in front of us. If we create a universe where there are no problems in front of us, there's no growth, we're not doing anything, we don't know what it is to be human anymore. And so he has actually gone beyond the limits of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, literally and oh, figuratively yeah. and has gone... And so,
0: has forced the crew to sort of go beyond their, their call of duty. exactly Because, I mean... I guess this isn't so much of a spoiler. We close, can spoil the movie. I just I I, yeah, I, I feel I like that one
2: moment shit. is like kind of cool.
0: It is kind of cool, yeah. but I I think too the the fact that that the way that they do initially defeat his forces yes. is they all agree to die. Yep. They all basically agree like, "Listen, this is a total crap shoot, yep. but if we don't, it's all over. We yes. got to go like we're not expected to do this. We're not required to do this. Nope. Nothing in what Starfleet has demanded of us requires us to do anything. This isn't our but mission. Say we did our best. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know,
2: and and every single one of them is just like, yeah, let's yeah. fucking party. Yeah. Except uh, for Bones, who's like, Ugh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I did really like, too, that they, part of them having to like go beyond their duty uh, was, I felt like a very Justin Lin kind of thing is this movie is full of like, they have to perpetrate a heist at one point mm-hmm. there's like hidden secret identities there are secrets being kept from people it's a very espionage kind oh, yeah. of star trek movie and well, there's there's gadgets
0: yeah. that that are introduced and then used to surprise us yes. later they I do love the that. one gadget where and i'm i'm going to fuck up her name because i forget what it is the, I, the it, alien yeah, lady yeah it's like
2: Jalee, J- 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 Jill jo- Lynn. jorel J- 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 yeah um
0: when son of Jarrell decides to uh <laughs> no, when when a Jarel first is introduced, yeah. uh, she has this ability to multiply. Yes. And it's such a great, like, Trek-style gadget yep. in that her holograms can affect tangibly yep. the environment, but they can't be hit. Yeah. And then we, we're we told that that exists. Yeah. We're told what this later plan is, and that little part's left out. It's an Ocean's Eleven yep. kind of thing where they just, they let us know the plan, but they don't let us know all of the plan. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, they spring that back upon us. Oh yeah! And it's
2: a nice little surprise. You go, yeah. oh sweet! You know, and it's yeah. oh, I love it. Yeah, I uh, and I just I don't know. It's that the all I want to do is is like praise the the, zoom. is praise the, the praise the cast. I just think that they're the best part of this series. They are so fun to spend time with. I love their dynamic. I feel like Peg is a really strong character writer. That's one of the best things he's done throughout his career: is write really strong characters. Jayla, is Jayla, that's it. Jayla. Uh, I thought she was a great addition. I, I would be happy to see that character like actually be a part of Starfleet moving forward. I just,
0: I would love if they just stopped making movies and put this on HBO.
2: Yeah, and just did you know mini series of
0: yep. just episodic events. But well, I mean, know.
2: we'll get it on CBS, I guess. We yeah. won't be with this crew, but you know, ostensibly. Well, there, there could... is a new Star Trek series that's what I mean. happening. So yeah, that yeah. is. It is going to be a thing. Yeah, it just won't be with this crew. But I, you know, if it's a good, good smart crew, that, that would be fun. My, here's my big issues with this movie, though. And they are Justin Lin related, although I, I'm curious if it's him or the editing. Every action idea was incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought the concept of every set piece was great. And every time, I got so excited because I was like, oh my god, this idea is so cool. And almost every time, with few exceptions, there were a couple times where it was done really well, I felt like I didn't know what I was watching. Mm. I I, I just uh, there the way it was and it was not here's the thing it's not why I would normally complain about this stuff it wasn't shaky cam there I didn't feel like there was like a ton of shaky cam it was not hyper fast editing like we see sometimes that makes things unclear it was just like things would explode in front of the camera and just completely wipe out my view of the action that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. They would they would cut at like weird times during angles where it was like I wanted to see Kirk finish sliding across the floor, but instead we like cut to another angle of it and he's already yeah, 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 yeah. on his feet and it doesn't really make sense.
0: There was cuz I I do agree with you. Um and where this is actually the reason why the Fourth Fest in the Furious is my least favorite. Yeah. The very end of that is a race through a mining tunnel across mm-hmm. the border of Mexico. It's mm-hmm. like a drug run gone bad. Cool. It is a the whole thing is that it's just a road that is only wide enough to fit two cars. Yep. So they're constantly trying to bump each other off and clip the wall. And yep. So it should be really tense. And it's not shot poorly. Right. It's not edited poorly. And it's a great idea, but something about the construction of it, yeah. it loses the, like the breathlessness that should yeah. be there is not there, and yeah. I did feel that a few times in this movie, uh, mostly in the part at the very end where they were riding into uh, I can't think of the name of the city oh, that oh, they're oh, trying Yorktown, Zion. Yorktown, yeah. Zion. You know, yeah. when they were riding in through the tube while other things were oh, happening. Yes, yes, yes. The fight between Crawl um, uh, and Kirk. Yep that was done well, where yes. they're kind of like zipping around, climbing for the, cool, the Orban yeah. Mountain. Um, the fight with the, you know, the wave of flame and all that. Loved that. That one was another one where I thought it was a really good concept. It was well done, but when it focused on Bones and Spock yes. zipping through the swarm of, of bees, quote yep. unquote, same thing kind of happened where I'm like, I, I feel like the world suddenly got smaller than this yeah. is. It feels too small. And I, maybe uh, That's probably the best way I'd describe it, uh, especially in comparison with uh, Fast and Furious, yeah. is that that set piece should have been Oh, the mm-hmm. whole way, and it just suddenly felt
2: small and in a box. Yeah,
0: and it's it shouldn't be. We have the entirety of space.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's like there. So there's there are a, a, like a crazy amount of moments where they are on various starships that are just like tumbling around in different directions. Mm-hmm. That like happens so often in this, but mostly to good effect. But like when they are on the Enterprise and it's being brought down, they do some really cool inception style oh, stuff. That shit was awesome. Whereas the gravity's changing, they're running on different walls and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Totally lost me. Great concept, could not understand physically, geographically, what was happening at all. So that didn't totally lose lost
0: me. That that scene I actually liked, but I would say that I would take every single shot and let it go three more seconds. Yes, because if you're going to build that rig, yeah, let it work. I know. And there was a lot of things where you're like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like, yeah. Why'd you cut away from that? Yeah. There was something really cool happening." And then when th- it didn't lose me, and I remember just being like, "Wow, this is cool." Yeah, but I am going to agree that. It could have been cooler. Something with, about it by doing less work.
2: Yeah, it just didn't. A lot of that stuff didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the, like when they are on. Then when they're on the downed enterprise, when it's like downed on the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like late at night, and they're like trying to retrieve something from it, and then it turns into a chase down the, uh, you know, uh, the the surface of it. You know, yeah, yeah. that I I not That uh, should have felt huge. It should have felt huge. It not only did it feel small. That was one of many scenes that took place kind of in darkness. That were just dark enough that I was like, I, I, I literally can't see. I don't know where the characters are. I literally can't see thing what's that happening. Happens
0: in that final scene of
2: Fast and Furious, so yeah, it's too dark. Yeah, it's it's. I, I you just can't. tell I what's just going couldn't on. figure it out. Yeah. So there was like, and literally every set piece is awesome in concept. Every single one of them, I was like, these are great action ideas. I love all of these. Very few of them, I felt like were pulled off in a way that I was as thrilled as I was when it started, and I was like, oh, this is what we're doing? Mm. By the end of every one, I was like, God, I just wish it was as exciting as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It just never hit that, except for the sabotage sequence. Oh, that was awesome. That hit every mark for me. It was
0: one of those, two where I had... Uh, when I saw Napoleon Dynamite... Yes. and I saw it about two years before the world saw it at a yeah. film festival. And so it was one of those... Who knew it was going to turn into right, a right, phenomenon? Right. I just thought it was a thing that no one would ever see, and I'd be like, oh, you couldn't... Yeah. couldn't explain it. Yeah. When it was building up to... Is he gonna dance? Uh-huh. In my head, I thought, "There's no way a movie could be that fucking good," yeah. and then it paid off. Yeah. When they were building up to using sabotage, I was like, "Are they gonna? No, they're gonna. They're gonna use the song from earlier." That's what I thought use, too. Public uh, enemy, fight the power. Yeah, but maybe they use sabotage. And I just kept thinking, "Nah." Yeah. And then they did. Yeah. And I was like, it, I, I said in my review, I said this is the closest that a movie has come to blowing me while I watch it. Yes. Because as soon as they did the sabotage, I sat back in my seat like, all yeah. right. <laughs> well, that's also so. Like
2: going back to Justin Lin, like uh, so, the only movie of his I've seen the whole way through that he directed is Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, mm. and I liked that movie quite a bit actually. And one of the best things about it is he's got a great handle on geography when yeah. it comes to action filmmaking. So that was kind of why I was disappointed with wait all those you action get scenes. To fast five, baby. I, dude, I can't. wait. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. There's a fast six the the final scene actually has the same
0: problem where it's too dark, yeah, the set piece is huge, and they somehow make it tiny, yeah and it it's it's still good, but it loses sense but there's there's a highway sequence with tanks yeah. and shit yeah. that is awesome. I can't wait to see I it. wish um and, and you know what I, I read a lot of reviews that have the same criticism of Star Trek Beyond is like here's a guy that that really works best
2: when he's unrestricted mm-hmm. and
0: it seems like he has imposed his own restrictions on himself, yeah in a couple of these sequences.
2: I, I would say one of the things, and I'll, I'll jump back to my earlier thought in a second then, but one of the things that I think he like really has uh, restrained himself with was trying to make it still look like it was part of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek yeah, universe. Absolutely. He does that same floating camera thing that Abrams did in those, mm-hmm. and I don't mind the floating camera so much, but I felt like in this one, like Abrams had a handle on, oh, I'm doing this for a reason. There's like a real specific reason our camera's floating when it's floating. This felt more like... Well, that's the style that these movies yeah, are in now. It has to look like Star and Trek, and so there was no perspective to those floating cameras. Kind you know funny what I mean? That that
0: there's an allegiance to the new style. I and know these things that that you know people
2: considered not allegiant to the old. It's right. wild. It's bizarre. So I feel like you're you're right. Actually, he did restrain himself in some weird ways. The thing I was going to say about him specifically is like, I, I think I was most disappointed in the action sequences because I was actually one of the things I liked so much about his work in Tokyo Drift was. How great he was at shooting those car chases! Mm-hmm. The geography of them is like incredible, and there was very little geography I felt like in this movie, like sensible geography. But the thing that he is exceptional at, in fact, in Tokyo Drift, is editing film to music that he is also editing. Mm-hmm. Is it, syncing up in tandem music with visuals in ways that are like really exciting. That sabotage sequence has to be the crowning achievement of oh, what Justin awesome. Lin does. Like, to me, that's what he does. That's now his calling card to me. Is I the don't know perfect execution. He got started in music videos, but he I might mean, have. he's.
0: He's definitely of the music video school. Yes. You know, he is definitely of T- that Tokyo world. Drift
2: feels like a music video oh, yeah. extended to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's totally what it feels like. But it, like, works. It, like, sings at that level. That sequence is, like, that is Justin Lin to a T, and it's fucking so good. It's, like, really, really great. And I like the idea. It's so cheesy, but I love this kind of cheeseball stuff. Of the Enterprise surfing on a wave of fire through oh, space. Yeah. Why not? To a rap song. We That's can do it. That's incredible. We can
0: totally do That's it. That's incredible. So why not do it? Yeah. hundred oh, percent. And
2: the fact that it was justified as a thing that was happening within the plot was like amazing to me.
0: And that was actually another one of those moments, too, where... Uh, I thought it was just a funny thing earlier when Jayla played uh-huh. uh, uh, fight, fight the Power, the power yeah. which is thematically appropriate totally. because that is essentially what Crawl is going for. Yep. Uh, which I got to say, it blew my mind. I didn't read up on who played Crawl. Oh, really? So when the makeup came off, I'm like, no fucking <laughs> shit. Oh, now I'm ready for you to <laughs> win. <laughs> I thought it was really good too. He by was the way. really good. Well, and that that was very Star Trekky makeup. Totally. The, car- the totally. makeup design across the board was a hundred percent. A lot of new creatures uh, in this, as far as I understand, and very, and they were all you know, cool. Very Star Trekky. Yeah, but um. Ah uh, fuck! I I derailed my own. Oh thought. sorry, yeah. No, it was a. Uh, oh the uh that was one of those things. It was a great script moment of setup punchline where uh uh what's his name Simon Pegg's character why can't oh, I get Scotty his name? Scotty Scotty's like oh my god that's really loud and irritating and she's <laughs> like oh I can turn it off and say like, yeah whatever and then later in the movie they just say like oh we need something loud and irritating and he. Wait a minute! Yeah. I know this. Yeah. and that is a moment of a heist movie, yep. which is like that is your function, Scotty. Exactly. You're the guy who comes up with how to apply the tech. Yep. And lo and behold, she's now part of this crew. Um, which I, I of course, they didn't plan this, but they already have announced that they aren't going to recast Chekhov. Right. So I have a feeling that That's she what I will hope. be coaxed I, into it. And and why not? You know, I'd, totally I'd, that do be that. Perfect. I think they should do that. But she is of that same thing. She's a pilot. Yep. She is you know another tech person doing all that, but. Her function was was earned and proved totally, and it's like wow. Without her, you know, run through him through the idea that Kirk had. Yep. With the technical ability of flying the ship, that's like it all works Family. out together. Without all of those pieces together, they were screwed. Doesn't but work. It worked.
2: Yep. Oh, it was so good. I, t- I love the. I one of my favorite things in movies is problem solving. Ten Cloverfield mm-hmm. Lane is one of the best movies I saw this year because it's full of really smart character problem solving. This movie is chock full of that stuff. Yep. I love that stuff. It's a, just a big machine. There's no better way to to me to like tell an action story than to have multiple charismatic characters that I like spending time with that I like watching spend time with each other, be forced to use their specific talents in tandem mm-hmm. with each other to solve a problem. Yep. That is exceptional storytelling. And it's
0: it to spread it out even further when they're first spread apart. Yes. They're they're first to use their their uh you know, it's a combination of luck and their powers, we'll call it. Yep. I'm making air quotes as uh-huh. I say that. To get together. Yes. And it's funny because they're all not quite equipped when mm-hmm. they're apart. They, they have the ability to get together, yep. but it's not until the pieces click together that suddenly they start to really be able to function and it mm-hmm. starts to flow. And I started that by making choppy movements with my hands. <laughs> and now I'm making smooth, liquid <laughs> movements with my hands. That's the gesture you got to pick up, people. Dan's at a rave but right that's now. A, I'm, I'm rocking the <laughs> rave right now. But it's a remix of Sabotage. <laughs> But uh, it's uh, yeah, it, and, but that's that's why they work, and that's why to me this is Star Trek. Yeah, something I wanted to bring up. Please, and I'm just very curious as Hit how you feel it. about this. The small, pretty much manufactured, almost non-existent controversy that was the making Sulu a homosexual. Oh my God! Yeah, I I think that the be all end all opinion about it that should be respected is that of George Takei. Okay, um, his response was, "I'm honored. Yep, I know that was done for me." But Sulu wasn't gay. Yeah. I'm gay. Yeah. Sulu was not. Yep. So it's it's really kind of pointless. You didn't need to do that. Yeah. Everyone acted like he was mad. He wasn't mad. He, wasn't he was mad. just like, you know, you you changed this character to honor me. I appreciate it. But, you know, by making it a thing, you've gone and made it a thing. Yeah. You know? Um and so I, I, I do agree with him that it was just kind of needless. But to go against him. Star Trek has always been about inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a famous story on the set where they filmed a kiss between Uhura and Kirk in the original series, and they were going to shoot that, and they were going to shoot a take with a hug, just mm-hmm. in case audiences of the time couldn't handle an interracial kiss. They purposefully kept flub- flubbing the hug the hug take just so that it would use the kiss, because this is a view of a future world yep. of tolerance and progressiveness yep. in that tone To people that are, and believe me, there are plenty of non-Trek savvy people who just know the new stuff. Mm -hmm. For them to have a kind of just a character that it's not, in that lens, it's not a thing. Right. He's just got a husband and a kid. Yep. That to me is Star Trek. Yep. And is welcome in the movie for me. So you know i'm having my cake and eating it and kind of having it both ways but i think i think i'm justified i have a couple of thoughts on it
2: yeah. cuz I, I thought about it a lot and i i came to like a new thought today i think it's pretty interesting but firstly i i kind of agree with you it's like to you know i don't even uh, maybe i I'll say it like this: I think uh, Take is certainly entitled to his own opinion about Absolutely. it. It is a character that he created, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so or helped create. Uh, so I think he's very much entitled to that opinion, and nobody should c- criticize him Mm-mm. for feeling that way.
0: And and to clarify again, he didn't have a problem. No, with he it. wasn't negative. His whole really. thing was
2: just like, I appreciate it, but yeah. like.
0: What are you doing? You're it doesn't like, ring true to me, basically. Ex- exactly. That's kind of what he was saying. This, isn't the ca- this is now a new
2: character. Right. Uh, so it's like, I, I think he's entitled to that opinion. I don't think anybody should be upset that he has that opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that, to his point, because the one specific thing he said was, well, that's not Roddenberry's vision. Roddenberry's vision was, that is a straight character. And to me, it's insulting to Roddenberry to mm. say that he's now gay. Um, to that, this is something that I, I don't have this knowledge myself. Somebody brought it up on another podcast I was listening to. But apparently, one of the things Roddenberry has had previously said about the Star Trek universe was part of this inclusive future is labels don't exist. So the idea that someone is gay is labeling them as something mm. that he doesn't think needs to be... He thinks true progressive, a true progressive future, you just wouldn't even have that label. And that's, that's kind of what I was saying is that it's... Wh-
0: uh, in that way, I think Takay is right in that by making it a thing, right. they've made it a thing. Right, but in the vacuum of the movie, it's not made a thing. No, it's it's like anyone else in the movies. So I also it's think it's this though,
2: like because so here's my counter to that though is in uh, to use your example as well to to bolster this a little bit the idea that. At one point in the history of the show, they had a white character and a black character kiss, and that was a big deal because it was an interracial relationship and mm-hmm. we're giving inclusion to black people. Uh, well, the reality of the world we live in is there are black people. That's not a label. There's black people. Mm-hmm. You know what's another reality of the world we live in? There's gay people. Mm-hmm. It's not a label. There are gay people. Mm-hmm. So if you truly want an inclusive vision of the future, you got to have gay people. Yeah, it, it, It's actually not inclusive to say oh there's no labels, so we don't have yeah, to de- yeah. you know we don't have to depict it
0: the thing is though I think where people get wonky about it is that because Takei is, is a homosexual it, totally if they did it to Chekhov it probably would have just been nothing right um, of course you'd get people pushing it back that's not our Chekhov right, right. but because they did it to honor Takei yep. which you know I think intention is is important absolutely it was meant as, oh, yeah. as an honor thing and I think and he I took think, it that I way I think he absolutely yep. took it that way it's because he is gay yep that made it like. I think people could misconstrue it as them saying, "Well, because he was gay, Sulu's always been gay," right? And that's not the case. I don't this think that's what that they're Sulu. trying to do. Yeah, this is an alternate right. world, you know. Yep, and and that is
2: actually true. This is a sideways world exactly. where different things can happen. Exactly. Uh But and so I do. So I had like a kind of a new thought about it today too. That it, that is interesting to me. And I, as a straight man, I, I don't know how I'm, if I know enough about this to to talk about it uh in any meaningful way, but. There is a big thing in gay culture about passing. Now, it is not, uh, as far as I understand it, as as big of an issue for gay people today Mm -hmm. um, because it's more acceptable to be gay today than it ever was. Um, But I think especially at the time that Takei was acting on the show as Sulu, passing was a huge thing. Passing basically means the world thinks you're straight. Yeah, You're, You're passing as a straight man. So for a gay man to play a character that is straight, and convince the world that that is a straight character, especially when the world doesn't even know that he's gay, right? That he's passing so much, because at the time, he was not out as gay. He's passing so much that nobody's even questioning, like, I don't know, does Sulu seem a little gay to you? I think that for Takei, the age that he was coming up as a, a closeted gay man in the era he came up in... Passing was very important as I understand it. Oh, absolutely. And so it's a
0: testament to his acting skills.
2: Right. But I, so what I kind of think is his response to it, whether he's saying it or not, and this is me conjecturing, but whether he's saying it or not, he is coming at it from a very different perspective as a gay man Mm -hmm. than a current gay man would, I think. I think probably to him, it's really important that he passed as. That character. That's a
0: testament to his craft.
2: Yeah, he's a damn good actor. Right, and it's al- it's also like I I think it even goes beyond his craft. I I would think as like a personal th- like as a very personal thing. Like no, I was passing. Like yeah. I, I was really successfully passing to the widest audience well, you could have too, to pass to. He was a. I mean, I, I guess he's Chinese. I think he's Chinese. I'm not sure. I don't know.
0: That was not a good time to be right. that right either. So right. for him to have drawn the double card of being foreign, we'll, yep. we'll say. And being a homosexual. Yeah, yeah I could say that, that the fact that passing probably led to him getting
2: more roles than if he showed up being fabulous. I, I think it probably meant something to him in some Absolutely. way. And so I think his response is probably built a little more. And, and I don't want to say it like this because this sounds dismissive, but I really don't mean it that way. But almost like a, a more, uh, just an older way of thinking. It's, it's, yeah. it's like he, uh, this sounds weird, but he's like old gay guard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's old guard gay. He's like, his idea of what's important for the gay community might actually be a little different than what the gay community actually thinks now. Yeah. And I, I think that might play into why he reacted the way he did to that idea. I don't know. That's that's a little bit conjecture on my I part. Think it's, but, I think it's a, a valid idea. Yeah. Um, um, man, I'd love to talk to him about it. I know. I really would, because uh, I'd be so curious to talk yeah. to him about that specifically, because I think that's like a really fascinating, interesting thing that he he definitely had to deal with and go through. That oh, yeah. The gay man of today, I'm sure there are still gay men that struggle with that, but it's not as widespread. You know what I mean?
0: I think... Uh to uh, I mean to sort of loosely connect it through Sulu. Yeah. One of my favorite gay passing characters mm-hmm. is in Harold and Kumar. Uh-huh. And it's Neil, Patrick, Neil Harris. Patrick Harris. He plays a goddamn pussy hound. Yeah. A fucking he essentially plays a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> he is one of the most out and uh-huh. and he's definitely gay. Yep. He's gay proud whatever. Yep. But I don't think I ever could have called it if if he didn't, right. yeah. you know. And so I that is, you know, now imagine 50
2: years ago and you're Asian. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think you're coming from a, a, an empty thought. Right.
2: Yeah. And so I don't know. I think that that might've had to do a little bit with his reaction of like, Hey, no, don't do this to that character. Like it's important to me that, that it was, Mm. that I was passing as that character that, that that's almost inherent to the character. Um, That being said though, it's like, I still fall back on the idea that if you really want inclusion and representation, you you here here's how you don't here's what i think would have been more problematic if they introduced a new character and said hey here's the gay character you've all oh, wanted yeah, in yeah, star yeah. trek yep. i think uh, that's uh, the uh, wrong uh. way to handle inclusion i actually think the much smarter way to do it is to take one of our characters that we already oh, yeah. know and love and say hey you know what he's gay yeah you know
0: and 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 what's it's what the this is what I said. Uh, I was saying this to my girlfriend. She asked me about it. Yeah. If you blink and you miss that one shot, you wouldn't know that he's gay. Yep. And it would be the exact same Sulu has been in the last two yep. movies. So, and to be fair, it's not a thing. Except that
2: we and we're part of it. We've now yeah. made it a thing. Yes. You yeah. Know,
0: it's we we've made it a thing.
2: It was almost. Uh, I I will say it was almost disappointing to me as somebody that would have liked to have seen like some real representation on the mm. screen for gay characters that. Technically, if I was, like, a conservative enough dude who, like, is not open to that idea at all, that scene could have read as him getting off of the Enterprise and seeing his niece and his brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. That totally is how that could have read yep. if you are not open to the idea that there are gay people in the world that, you know what I mean, that are outwardly gay, which there are plenty of people that are that close-minded. Mm-hmm. And and I, it was almost disappointed me that they didn't. Not that I... Uh, Didn't do like a little butt butt pinch? I, they I
1: kissed
0: or something. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like that there
2: wasn't some more clear definition to them being a homosexual couple.
0: That was probably... Because I agree, but I also imagine if I'm making the broad-minded thing, it's part. like... If you're doing it, it's
2: a shame, but yep. we're still at a point where it's like just let it yeah let it do it's you know let it do I it. actually heard a similar thing about it which is that they did film a kiss for that that oh, they nice. eventually cut from the film because they did want to kind of like I don't know if the studio told them to but they wanted to pull off of it a little bit not well, not it's be one so of those direct two where
0: if you do that you almost feel behooved to give all of the other romances that they show right. that much attention yep and it's crazy because that's the line you got to walk. Yes, is then you got to you know equally represent it so that it's not a thing. Yep. But then if you do that, it's sloppy. Yep. And but then if you make it a thing, then then it's a problem. Yeah. If you don't make it a thing, it's
2: a it's you know you're damned if you do if you do you're damned if you don't. I think they did a fine job as far as that stuff goes. It's one of the most tasteful I think oh, inclusions yeah. of something like that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I liked it. I didn't his homosexuality
0: didn't have informed literally nothing about right. his character, and that to me is progress. Yes. Um, like you said, if they brought in, you know, hey, welcome, <laughs> it's me at the Enterprise, it would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're, you're really making something retarded here. Yeah. <laughs> Which <is> wrong word. <laughs> Old guard. Yeah. Uh, but it's, no, but you know, you know what I'm saying? You're really, yes. you're really fucking up. But just by having that, it's a, yeah yeah it's just a thing.
2: well, and I like the idea that like we basically we see a picture of his daughter on his little like piloting console, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a picture of his daughter there, and then he gets off the enterprise and that's his daughter, and that's his husband and it's it's like you're saying it's like that doesn't inform his character at all. What informs his character is that he has a family, a family. Yeah. yeah, like that. But that to me, it's like that's important. That yep. that actually is true representation. It's like no, no, no. The oh, point, he's into other guys. Yeah. Okay. Can he still fly the Enterprise? Right. Good. It, <laughs> is he trying to be a good dad? Is he trying? You know, uh, it's like those are the important. Does he have something there. to get home to? Yeah. That's actually what that function exactly. literally was
0: in the movie. Was it was a
2: montage of what everyone needs to get home it, to. It also grounds like some really emotional stakes for the whole. Literally, just seeing him having a daughter and a husband at home mm. gives. You, you wouldn't have had to see any other character have anybody at Yorktown they needed to worry about. And in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, they might not have. You no, it just showed the like what they want one. to do. Right. He's the only one that has, like, uh, 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 quote-unquote emotional stakes established in Yorktown. And that's all we need. That, get, that sets emotional stakes for the whole crew. Somebody's got a family there. One mm. of our crew. They got a family there. Oh, their family's my family. Yeah. Yep.
0: Never turn your back on family. <laughs> yeah. Even when they turn their back on you.
2: Did you, wait, Cars. did you get the trailer for the new Triple X movie in front of your Star Trek oh, Beyond? Dude, I, I watched How that like How amazing was
0: that? Well, I, I came up with this like a short little thing because uh, it was basically just a mini script that I wrote because uh-huh. Triple X was just, you know... I've never uh, seen any of those movies. Okay, well, here's the plot. Triple yeah. X is this unstoppable uh, extreme sports hero that they yes. hire to be a secret agent, yep. whatever. Great. Then in the second one... Um, Apparently, he was just killed. He was unstoppable, but someone stopped him between movies, (laughs) whatever. And so they get Ice Cube. Yeah. And so, like, the whole thing was just like, you know, in the sequel, it's like, Kowalski, you know, where's this Triple X? He's like, I actually got shot in Russia. Yeah. All right. Well, get me someone. uh, who's kind of chunky and, and has attitude. Find me Quatro. And they bring x. in they bring in a, uh, you know, yeah, bring me bring me x, x x x x. And they bring in Ice Cube. It's like Kowalski, I said bring me someone with attitude, not someone with a bad attitude. That's it. No more Red Bull for you. Your Red Bull privileges are revoked. And, All right, boss. And then the third one, it's like, Kowalski, what's this I hear about Triple X still being alive? Uh. Like, oh, it's Canada Drive for you, Kowalski.
2: No more Red Bull. Revoked. He also <laughs> skis through a jungle through the of whole course. trailer.
0: Well, that's that what extreme sports are. Is you use one sporting yeah. thing to do a different thing. <laughs> it was you so know, like crazy Snowboarding. To me. is yeah. skateboarding on a mountain. So yeah, jungle skis. Why not? It was so crazy. You know, and he has—he probably has to like do a flip on a pommel horse. Yeah. And that makes it more extreme
2: <laughs> in Red Bull. But, oh, that was uh, crazy. Not to derail us from Star Trek, but I just thought it was so insane to me. I don't think it's
0: that to un- <laughs> no, it's, uh, Although, i got to say, the director's DJ Caruso, who did like, oh, right. Disturbia, yeah, and, uh, Eagle, Eye. Uh, Eagle Eye, which I didn't love, but they're well yeah, made. Yeah, they're good, good little movies. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm into that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. What's funny to me is that Extreme Sports, um, the name Xander Drax, yeah. and Tribal Tattoos have not been cool for
2: 15 years. There's some that would so argue that they weren't cool when the first movie was made. We just didn't know about yeah, it. Exactly. We didn't know they weren't yeah. cool, but you know, it's the tramp stamp. Yeah. We thought yeah.
0: it was awesome, then we all went, oh, shit. Whoops. Yeah, uh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? It's permanent. Yeah. So, yeah, uh,
2: you know. Where do you fall on Star Trek? My big thing is like, I really enjoyed it. I think it's better than the second one. I don't think it's quite as good as the first, but as far as – th- I just love this cast. I, don't, I, yeah. I would watch this cast in 16 more installments of this, good or bad. I, I'm, a, I'm 100%
0: with you. I'm on board. And I didn't outright dislike the second one, but I no, think me neither.
2: they were trying to build
0: something bigger and Beyond said, let's not do that. No. Let's go back to what we know works, which is let's make an episode. Here's a mission. You know? And in that way, I would say that it is much like the older ones. Yeah. I mean, the second one does lose that tone a little bit now that I'm thinking about it in that they tried to go Marvel. Yeah. They tried to make a connective world. Totally. And then the I second was... one, they just went, you know what? We're not Marvel. We don't need to be Marvel. We have this cast. Let's use them. I was thinking I'm about this you. today,
2: man. I like every summer blockbuster to me has seemed like the same movie this year. Yep. This rose above it literally just by going, hey, you know what? It's a one off story. It's got a beginning, it's got an end. And yeah, we all know we're going to tell more stories with these characters. But it doesn't need to end in a way where we've got all these hanging threads that we can come back to. We don't need to make it feel like it jumped off from the ending point of the last one. It's just an episode in this cruise exploration of the beyond. Yep. That's it. I miss when franchises, because we've had franchises for a long time. People forget that.
0: Indiana Jones, once again. Every one of those movies exists
2: in a bubble. They're
0: all part of the series. But I mean, I saw Temple of Doom before any of them a million times. Yeah. I, just because it's the second one doesn't mean anything. It just works.
2: Even Star Wars, those movies are very interconnected. They do all feel like their own distinct little movies. Yeah, that have their Even own Empire beginnings. That Even Empire, have, it has an open end, but it has an end. It has an end. Yeah. It it really feels like that story comes to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. I miss that in franchise. I, I don't know why the idea of franchising has become literally like making television. It's Marvel. I, I know. We got it. I get it. Well, and it's I get also it. informed by television.
0: Yes. A lot of filmmakers
2: have gone to television. Yep. A
0: lot of television we like because it's I know. We want to, you know, keep I know. the story going. Keep I, it going. I, it I going. there's
2: part of me the more we do it in movies though, like I, I I'm think over I, it. I think I liked it initially, and now I'm to the point where I'm like, no, but you know what? They're movies. Like, this is what distinguishes them yeah. from television. Let's let's keep television television and let's movies should be these really big stories. That are their own distinct ninety minute stories I think
0: that's why i I don't think we've we've in terms of like the Marvel interconnected universe, some movies are better, some are worse, but like before we expanded into like like civil war, I, I really did like yeah I've softened on it i i'm not I'm not so into it anymore, right, because I think back to the Avengers, it was the big event that got everyone together, yep. now everyone's together all the time for y- everything yes I'm over it yeah i'm I'm drowning, yeah. It's not bad, no. but I missed that. It
2: know? was refreshing to me that this really felt like its own oh, yeah. self-contained movie that very easily exists within the franchise. Before we get into the list, there's yeah. two things that I just want to bring Hit up. me. One, one of my favorite things about
0: Starfleet is at the end, they have accepted that Kirk is not going to follow the rules. Uh-huh. He does kind of cause trouble. But he's like the only guy who can get it done. Uh-huh. You blew up two cities. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like that. And then there was an accidental, um, I I, I want to say accidental. It may have been edited this way, but an homage to dearly departed Anton Yellow. Oh, dude. I, I'm so glad you brought that awesome. up.
2: It, but it, I, I almost cried. At the
0: very end, they're toasting Kirk's birthday. Yep. And the way that the angle is shot when he holds up his glass and he says, To our friends that couldn't be here. He says, our, our absent friends. Our absent friends. And the way it's framed. It, it, this At the center of the shot is Anton Yelkin. Yep. I don't think that was... I mean, I guess it could be argued that maybe they shot that from five angles and ultimately chose that one after he died. But it could just be happenstance. But it was a great moment. It worked. And not only was this a great celebration of the 50th anniversary, but it was a really great way to send off one of the legendary crew members, oh, yeah. Leonard Nimoy, yep. who passed... Uh,
2: earlier this year or the yeah. end of last year. And they let him pass within the context of the movie, which I really the liked. It
0: was respectful. It yep. was nice. And, you know, it. he's defined by this. Yes, um, For a guy who's actually a tremendous actor, he he did not shed this role. No. He's always been glued to it. And then Anton Yelkin, who was poised to become very great, oh, yeah. you know, he's not necessarily iconically connected to this role. Mm-mm. But it, it was just a great way to say, like, I mean, they lost we a member should of the be family. so lucky... To die and have Star Trek honor us, I know, you know of all I the know. things. And then in the closing credits, it opens with "In loving memory of Leonard Nimoy
2: for Anton." Yep, I cried like a fucking uh, dude, asshole when, when, when. Cur- so uh, here's my theory: is that they probably filmed the whole ending, blah, blah, blah. And they probably went back and got one insert yep. of Kirk saying to our absent friends. Yep. And already had that shot of, because I don't know if you remember this, but literally, so he says to our absent friends, cuts to the reverse shot of the crowd where Anton Yelkin is the very center. He literally raises his glass. Yeah. Like they already had that shot just because that was how they shot it. And I think once he passed, I, my, I would imagine they got Chris Pine in to do one insert where you say to our absent friends. Mm-hmm. And we cut to that reverse where Anton Yelkin toast that. Really? That fucking crushed me. Uh, and I thought it was such a beautiful, respectful way to just say, like, thank you for being a part of this with us. Exactly. You know? yep. You're part of the family. Yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, dangerous uh-huh. to be a... Uh- Dude, to be a part of Justin you, Lin's family, you like, can, dude. <laughs> I was thinking, so somebody, if you're in
0: Justin Lin's family. Maybe step step yeah. away from the cars. Yep. yep. <laughs> so
2: Get at, stay away from vehicles, whether <laughs> they're in space, on the ground, in the sea. I hear that dude is in contention for the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea remake. Everybody, uh, stay away.
0: Don't take a submarine. I th- I don't know if that's true. I just said that to oh, be able to do a water right one. On. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it. <laughs> I would totally watch it. Yeah, I, that's that's everything I got to say. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, um, it had any of the problems i had with it are garden variety blockbuster yeah, that's problems me too. Yep. but there were so many garden variety blockbuster problems that it did not have it was confident it was fun yep. um, i was cheesing the whole time yeah. and i didn't feel the pressure of a larger universe it i missed it and like i missed that feeling and it it
2: delivered it to me this is one of the uh, best assembled casts it
0: actually could, like usually when i do my end of year list there's always like one of every genre on and i try to do that out of all, like, the the action blockbusters, I mean, this is the one for me. Yeah. Whether it'll make the list, I don't right. know. But out of all of the big action movies that I saw this year, um, like, we haven't had a Mad Max yet this nope. year. And I don't think we will. Nope. But I mean, as blockbusters go, this was. Uh, I
2: think I would agree with you. This is the best uh, of the bunch so far. This was this year's Mission Impossible 5, if you will. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll take that. I, I think Mission Impossible 5 was probably a much better movie for my taste. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I did enjoy I had, you know, it's one of these movies where it's like, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, I can't really put much else on it for you. I, I can just tell you I really enjoyed it. And I think it's because they. And think about when they did this, too. In 2009. They assembled one of the best casts of, I think, like this decade. Mm-hmm. And they did it before really any of them were names. Yeah. That's they have true. all become names. Carl Urban's still fighting to become dude, a name. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. He's that dude so is incredible. He's a goddamn chameleon. He is incredible. I love him. And he, mm. it, they gave Bones so much. He, I think he has more screen time in this movie than he does in the other two combined. And I, feel, I, I
0: forget where I read this, but I know when
2: the original one came out, many of the original cast
0: members were just like, that guy you got to play Bones. He's great, yeah. Like, and he, he is. He nailed he's it. So good, nailed it. Oh, he's so good. I love him. Well, I think that is—that's a great the way transition into our list. So we decided to go into that reboots, what, whatever you have. At the same rules we had last time, yep. but where they update or recast a character. Yes, and in honor um, of
2: Carl Urban as Bones. Do you have any rules that you applied to your list? So yeah, but I end up breaking all of them at okay. some point. But Still. here are the rules I tried to go by. I I tried to make sure that. Uh, it it's somebody playing the same character that was portrayed in I the previous version. And I tried to make sure they were movies that I'd seen the original and the remake of. Mm-hmm. Like, I I immediately disqualified things like The Fly, The Thing, like movies that I fucking love. And I'd love to be able to say, hey, Jeff Goldblum is one of the best recasts for mm-hmm. a reboot ever. I'm pretty I'm, sure
0: that he plays a different character. Right, I, a, so know. it might
2: not even be Sean Brendel. Yeah. But like, even if that was true, that it was Sean Brendel, I can't put it on my list. I've never seen the original fly. So I, Seth I, Brundle. Yeah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> what did I fly. say? Sean Brindle. Dude, so close. I'm fairly certain I went to elementary school with a kid named Sean Brindle, and that's why I said that. I <laughs> hey, so buddy. I hope God. you're listening. I you s- should be honored, Sean yeah. Brundle.
0: Uh, Seth Brundle. I I had similar ones. Um, those two rules were were key. Um, and then there was a couple like like I I cut John Bernthal's Punisher. Because it's not a movie yet, but that right. is like
2: incredible. Yeah, but
0: it's also like when it comes to things like that, it's less of a reboot, more of like you can do anything with the character. I thought
2: about that, but I did put one of those on my list. Same thing with Gary Oldman as yeah. Commissioner Gordon.
0: Yeah, I still ended up putting one on my list, but yeah. I think it's valid because it's such an iconic character. You already know where I'm going with it. Maybe I don't know. Um, another thing that that I I left out was a bad lieutenant. Yes, because yes, yes. The lieutenant is the name of uh, Harvey Keitel. Whereas in Bad Lieutenant like Port New Orleans, he has a name and it's off. Oh, I forget what it is. It's like it's something like Angelo, or something like yeah. that. It's some, yeah. some crazy name. So I, I left things like that out. That would have been um, a great choice. The other thing I left out just because they didn't have the same character name and actually probably would have topped my list was Tom Hanks and the Lady Killers. Oh. Because I, I caught a little bit of that over the weekend. And that's that's one of the Cohen's lesser entries. It is yeah. a remake. It it is kind of a victim of its time, but his performance in that is next level he's really it's funny something you don't see tom hanks do oh he's it's doing twisted. the twirling mustache he's, thing? he's snidely whiplash yeah. he's completely evil but the professor was alec guinness in the original oh, which i yeah. have not seen right. In this one his name i believe is g.h door or something like that <laughs> okay, yeah. so i left him out although i did find out you know how much i love mike pancake yes, yes. i forgot jk simmons plays garth pancake <laughs> in a. In Lady Killer, so that, that made me laugh. But, Garth uh,
2: pancake. So those those are the rules. Um, I'll kick this off, because I have a way to tie this into just movie movie in general, okay. uh, which is the first one I came up with. Now, okay, here's me immediately breaking my rules, though. Uh, this is not a character that existed in the original one. Uh, I would say that they are a parallel to one of the characters in the original, but I felt like as far as great casting in a reboot... Kate McKinnon in Ghostbusters is oh, yeah. something we have to talk about. Well, I think she's she an is a Egon... recasting of a Ghostbuster. She, yes, one hundred percent. And she's an Egon proxy, maybe you could say. Mm-hmm. She looks a lot like the animated Egon, actually. Yeah. Um, but I just think like if if really the definition of this is great casting for a reboot, Kate McKinnon is is stand out like heads and shoulders above. Most things I can think of highly
0: Shh. considered for my list. Yeah, but I just figured she'd be on yours. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't. Was, I didn't yep. put it on. Yeah, that was immediately. No, I agree because I think that actually does fit it. Because of course you're not going to be able to recast.
2: You know, Ray. It almost would have been problematic for them. Because Ray
0: so. is Dan Aykroyd. Yes, he is. He's know? also. I
2: mean, he's a man, and we're casting women. He, exactly. You know, it's like yeah. But
0: what a Ghostbuster is? Yes, has definitely become a thing. Yes. She, I think it applies. I think she nailed it more than than 100%. In that cast. She was, just, she was great. Yeah. Well, the other ones too came to it from like she almost seems aware of the Ghostbusters yes. as we know it because she she's got all the bells and whistles. Yeah. You know, she's she's an action figure through yeah. and through. Yeah, I love. I think that's, loved her. That I thought she was. Yeah. Yep. I'll burn through my quick one. I think Henry Cavill is the best Superman. I kind of thought I he would love end up him. on your list. I, I think he's so good. And honestly, uh, it's still not perfect. It's still sideline Superman. But the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman still has a lot of the same problems. Yep. It is considerably better. Is it, it a better Superman movie? It's a better Superman good. movie. It's still not the Superman movie that I wanted. Yeah. But I just, I really, when they decided to make Superman someone who experiences doubt, yeah. which we have not really had in the sense that this one experiences definitely not doubt. cinematically. I mean, even in Superman Returns, he does experience mm. doubt, but there's a lot of different things playing into that. A Superman that is unsure of how to responsibly wield his powers, Cavill really, really made that believable. But when he says things, just like you know, that's not an S Lois. That's this, yeah. Or you know, uh, you know, if a if, uh, if they want if it makes them feel safer to put me in handcuffs, you know. I, I play on your side, but I have to do it on my terms. He yeah. is proper. He is unmistakably Superman. Yeah. But he's a new version. Yeah. I like that. I like so that. So he made yeah. my list. I think, I, I, good... I think he deserves a spot, um, especially that we have a, you know, a Welshman playing America, yes. America's greatest hero. Which is kind of cool, actually, in yeah. its own right. That, it's, that is kind of cool. good stuff. Now bring um, us an American Bond.
2: <laughs> uh, so I'll piggyback off of you, uh, and I will say... I really like Michael Caine in the Chris Nolan Batman movies nice. as Alfred. Uh, we've had a ton of Alfreds, and uh, he's not the Alfred I grew up with. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I grew up with Tim Burton's Alfred. Uh, and who, why can't I think of his Michael name? Michael Go, yeah, Michael Go. Uh, that's the Alfred I grew up with. So this isn't even like that nostalgic. Like, well, that's how I love him because I da da da. If it was, it would be Michael Go. It's not. I think Michael Caine like legitimately brought something very interesting to the role of Alfred that. I had never quite seen an Alfred before, even in the comics, which was this sort of reluctant helper. You know what I mean? Like there's a reluctance to Alfred in that series that Michael Caine brings to it. And the way he brings that reluctance in is through like a real love of Bruce, mm-hmm. and that to me was like a very powerful depiction of that character. Where well, that's like a his change on Batman too, because Michael
0: goes. Uh, Alfred is sort of just like, huh? Oh, I'll never get that zany Batman right. in check. But uh, Michael Caine's Batman is like this guy's facing real danger. Yeah, um, you know Tim Burton's Batman. He was never really facing real right. danger. This Batman's facing real danger,
2: and this Alfred is a is a veteran. Yes and he's up con- and he's very concerned about his boy basically yeah. it's, i that was like um it was a very interesting take on alfred to me that i thought brought a lot of emotional depth to the relationship between batman and alfred that I hadn't really seen explored other places. I'm sure it had mm. been in comics that I haven't read, but... Oh, we'll
0: not bury another yeah. Batman. Yes!
2: <laughs> I fucking... Yeah, I think he's great in those movies. Yeah. I, I, that, that was a big one for me.
0: He, that was actually considered for my list, but yeah. Michael Caine makes an appearance later. Ah! So I, I cut him just Ooh, so I I wonder if I can thing. guess. I bet you can. Yeah. Um. All right, so this one is... uh, I actually haven't seen the original because there is no original. Ooh. But... It is a character that has been redone countless Ah. times on the stage. And I'm talking about Amos Hart in Chicago as portrayed by John C. Riley. Yes. Um, This came to my my brain listening to John C. Riley on the WTF podcast. Yeah, dude, that was a great interview. Because he talks. And that was interesting, too, because he was much different than I expected. Totally. Uh, And also very much exactly what I expected. (laughs) Uh, His whole thing about how it was just. I'm a clown. I can't let anybody (laughs) know who I am. That's a really good John C. (laughs) Riley. But that's his. He brought that to that character. Yes. And that is a character that has always been sort of, woe is me, and he made it into a sad clown. Yeah. But it is still very much that character. I've seen it performed a million different ways just on YouTube videos or, you know, stuff like that. In the movie they gave to John C. Riley. that is a heartbreaking performance of pure pathetic, you know, just he's pathetic, but his Mr. Cellophane is awesome. That Um, is so incredible. That number is, like, great. He does it, he does it... He bridges the gap between stage and screen in a way that I know a lot of theater people now, and they all disagree with me. None of them like Chicago. Wow, really? But I think Chicago bridges the gap. That movie bridges the gap between stage and screen at a level that
2: hasn't been achieved since West Side Story. I thought that movie was incredible. Yeah. I am not like a huge music. I actually like going to see musicals on the stage yeah. very much. I've never been much of a movie musical person. That one validates making it into a movie. Holy shit, did I love that movie. Can, you had Les recommended it, it to me. It doesn't make it into. No. it, does, But Chicago does validate. What, that it it deserved to be filmed. You recommended that to me, and like I I, I could not have been less interested. And I loved that movie. Yeah. And he's a huge part of why that movie's so good. He like because you just you, I mean he does this all the time throughout his career, but putting him in a musical heightened it more. I feel like where oh, it was yeah. like you don't expect to see him do that. You mm-hmm. just don't. He it, it, that is not at all what I expected out of he's him. He's like a caveman, but then suddenly he's got depth and talent. Yeah, he's really I, an he, incredible. He, actor.
0: He's really incredible, yeah. Um yeah, that that's a great pick. That's yeah. a fucking yeah. I love that. And actually if you can go online and search Jack White does this awesome just sitting at a piano cover of Mr.
2: Cellophane oh, yeah? all ragtimey. Pretty good stuff. Awesome. Fucking good. Uh all right, so I'm going to hit you uh I have a I have a couple dedication ones here. We'll start with this one. Anton Yelkin in Fright Night. Oh, right on! That's Dude, a good one. I, I I I saw both those movies fairly close together. Uh, we want you know we watched the remake for this podcast with uh with with Dave Teruso and um I like both of those movies a lot. I want to tell you I probably actually like the original one more than the remake. Mm. But I like Anton Yelkin as that character infinitely more than oh, I like yeah, yeah. Uh, uh what is the actor's name? I can't even remember the actor's name that played him in the original. He didn't go on to do a whole a whole lot after that. I, I can't I can't pull it now. I'll come up with it while you talk. Uh, um but I, I thought Yelkin was like really great in that movie because in in the original one, you know, that that kid is good and he's very much an eighties kid. Uh which uh, it, it, I never would have gotten his name. It's William Ragsdale. I never would have remembered that. William Ragsdale. William Ragsdale is good in that movie. He very much plays an eighties kid and and he does it very well. But and maybe and, and maybe it's just because i i was a late 80s baby so i don't have a, a a true um picture of what an 80s kid was like but i have a much better picture of what a 2000s kid was like cuz that's part of the era i was growing up in yelkin nails being like kind of an awkward but good-looking should be confident teenager mm. you know that's what sort i mean his wheelhouse yeah. yeah he is so good at that and he i feel like he brought there, there's an emo- emotional depth to that character in the Fright Night remake that I just think is non-existent in the original one. Mm-hmm. And that's all him. That's that's not in that script. It's not in the original one. That's Yelkin bringing that to that role. After
0: Green Room, I, I came to the conclusion earlier this year that to me, Anton Yelkin was a miniature Bill Paxton. Right, yeah. And Bill Paxton is the same way. Yep. I've seen him play pathetic. Yep. I've seen him play badass. Mm-hmm. I've seen him play an outright hunk. And yep. I've seen him play a nerd. Yep. Anton Yelkin was capable of all those things. He kind of sounded like him to me is where it really clicked. Yes, but yeah. I, I, he had the same kind of... yeah. And I think Fright Night actually required all of that. Yes, um, You could see why he'd feel awkward. Yep. You could see why this girl would be like, I'm I'm into you. Why, yeah, what are, you, what, why are, you are you being so, so awkward about this? But you could see why he'd be terrified in yep. this situation. And you'd see why he'd blossom in this situation. Yep. That's He was awesome. great in that yeah. movie, I thought. So just a little dedication to I think it was more him. about him, whereas Fright Night, the original definitely spent more time on Chris Randon's character yes, it, it kind of was more framed around him mm-hmm. you know the uh uh ragsdale was more of an Char- audience Charlie target. is that the character's name Charlie Brewster yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hit me right. with another um uh, let's see cuz i i do i do want to rank these yeah uh, all right so i'll put this one here cuz it's it's kind of silly but i think it's this it's a tremendous performance I think one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life, definitely the best of this filmmaker's career, is Starsky and Hutch. Oh. Owen Wilson as Hutch. Uh Uh-huh. He he looks like him. Uh Uh-huh. He gets the whole what we're doing here the same way that they updated Charlie's Angels or Dragnet or things like that. But he also plays very true to what they're doing. Hutch is
2: awesome. I I haven't seen that movie since I was in middle school. Incredible. I gotta see it again. Because you always touted as as great. And I when I I saw it, I didn't like it. And I was Uh. like, I feel like I was the age to like love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I almost want... I think you're more the age to love it now. I actually wonder if I was maybe too young to really get it. Mm. And Mm. and I felt like I was above it because I was a fucking like burgeoning film nerd. Exactly. You know what I mean?
0: Thing is though, for film nerds, I think that it's actually important because uh, what's his name? That director he did old school. Oh, got uh, War Dogs. Tada, tada. Uh, Todd Phillips. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I think he makes funny movies. Yep. Um, I, I don't think they're always the best or no. the worst, mm-hmm. but he almost seems to be rushing through the movies to yeah. get to the next joke. And and oftentimes I find that the pace of his movies is so aggressive to me that that it's it's hard to really live in the laugh. Uh, Starsky and Hutch really isn't punchy. Yeah, it's going for the long con no. gag. No, it, nobody's pants are falling down. Yeah, but there's there's an interplay Ken between. Can Jeong just pop out of a get, trunk and try and fight somebody? Not an ounce of <laughs> Kenjiang, which is a plus for every fucking movie. I hate that guy. He's, he, I don't even hate him. I'm sure he's he's just got to stop. Enough. <laughs> I get it. You can do Michael Jackson dance and you can talk like a black guy. It's silly. Oh, you can also talk in a stereotypical Asian accent. Fine. Enough. You used to be a respected surgeon. <laughs> You belong there, helping people. He has a show called, like, Ken! Yeah. Fuck off. (laughs) I'm enough. Oh, you have no qualms showing your dick? Well, I I have no qualms showing my dick. I also don't do brain surgery. (laughs) Go do that. His best role was knocked up when he was just an agitated doctor, and it was great. But whatever. teach his (laughs) own. I'm glad you found your voice. I hate your voice. (laughs) <laughs> but anywho, so Starsky and Hutch has this great interplay between two actors that have worked together countless Many times. times. Permanent Midnight, Zoolander, yep. Starsky and Hutch. It is awesome. And it all culminates in a part where a coked up Starsky wants Hutch to sing. A, they're, they're wooing a, a pair of ladies. They're wingmanning each other. Yeah. And he wants him to sing a song on his guitar. And Owen Wilson sings a song to them that is actually the song that the guy who played Hutch released in his failed pop career. Oh, my life. God. So it, like, rolls over on That's itself. That's great. But he, he really owns it. It's it's brilliant. I like that. Owen Wilson's Hutch is... is it's like it's it's one of those roles like like Danny DeVito's Penguin where yeah. it's like you were designed oh, to play yeah. uh-huh. this, and the fact that it all happened is something we should rec- we should recognize. I'm gonna
2: rewatch. I will Fuck give that Ken a rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I spawned that Eddie.
0: <laughs> just something about him chaps yeah. my ass. I like him.
2: Uh, uh, well, and the thing is, like, I bet
0: he's great. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that yeah. he's doing it. He's and uh. I, I'm glad that a lot of people love him. But as soon as he shows up, I'm just like next. <laughs> 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 it's just not happening.
2: Uh, all right, this next one is also in dedication.
0: I think I'm just jealous because everyone that I know ever is funnier than him, yes. and he's famous, more famous than all of them. Yeah, yeah, that's, true. that's probably true. You're
2: a million times
0: funnier <laughs> and more deserving of the fame he got <laughs> than he is, and he's just swimming in it. Yeah. yeah.
2: that Supposedly, it's because he was literally... Uh, 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 Apatow surgeon at some point. Yeah. And was actually the character that you see and knocked up. And he was like, dude, I got to put you in a movie. You're an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) And cast him in the movie. Well, he's an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Career. Uh, Good for him, though. Sure. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't it be great if he still did surgery just so that people would be like, all right, I'm getting in. Then their doctor comes in. and He like moonwalks in and does a does a rap voice. You're like, what is what is going on? Do you, you think, this is a goof? Do you
2: think maybe the reason he has such a big career in Hollywood is because it's a way for them to save money on every movie <laughs> set they cast him on? They're like, oh, we got an on-set doctor. We don't need to pay yep. another one.
0: They're like, oh, we can hire The Rock. We can shoot him. Whatever. Yeah. We got Ken Jung. Yeah, we got a we got an on-set surgeon. We don't <laughs> we,
2: we don't need any other medical attention. Uh, all right. This one is also a dedication. I told you this as soon as you came up with this list. It was the f- this. W- Even if this list... I eliminated
0: it from this list for this reason. Because of this, right?
2: (laughs) Even if this list was not the Carl Urban memoriam list, and it was something else that spawned this, this would have been the first thing I thought of, because it is one of my favorite performances in a remake. And by the way, it's another one that breaks one of my rules. I've never even seen the original. Oh, you gotta. I know. I know I need to. (laughs) But I love this so much, and I specifically love it because I specifically love him and his performance as Dread. He is phenomenal in Dread. Mm-hmm. That movie is great, first of all. I think oh, that movie yeah. is severely underrated. That is a great, great action. Written by Alex Garland, uh, the guy who you know just did Ex Machina last year. That was so yep. great. Um, it is a fantastic movie. And Carl Urban chews the ever-loving shit out of every piece of scenery in it in the most delightful, joyous way. I don't know how. Through a helmet yes. that covers up most of all his emotion. Face. Yeah. Awesome. He literally he uses his jaw to act in that movie. I have never seen that. And it's incredible. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Can you yeah. picture that in your head? The way he just flexes his jaw and yep. moves his mouth around in weird ways to like, convey emotion and stuff. I think it's the it's same incredible. skill that makes him
0: so good at being yeah. Bones
2: is that he's, he's just expressive yes. but not in a way where he's
0: mugging. Right. And proof positive is when you cover his face, he's still just as expressive. Holy shit, he's so good in that movie. So many people tasked with playing Bones would go big with it. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't. He's exactly as big as, uh, was it James Doohan? Uh, uh,
2: isn't it f- something. Do, do, uh, hold on. I feel like it's like, or I might be thinking of the wrong actor, actually. I always
0: get them confused because I'm not a Star Trek I guy. I know,
2: me too. We're going to find this out real quick. Right on the air, folks. Race to IMDb. No, if I type in bones, I get a TV show. That was the wrong way to do this. Here we go. Star Trek Beyond. Come on. I'm going to get it. Uh, DeForest Kelly. I thought it... Yeah, I yeah. knew it was duh, and yeah. I thought Forrest was in it, and then I was like, maybe I'm thinking of Forrest like, De Forest, yeah, De Forest <laughs> Whitaker. DeForest, yeah. DeForest Whitaker, DeForest Gump. Duham with Scotty. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you're so right, because he. you know what's funny is like, I actually think you could make the argument that he's like mugging as his portrayal of bones, but it's that Carl Urban is like so good at that stuff that it doesn't read as that big hammy mm-hmm. mugging thing. It does not read that way at all. It, it feels... Natural to the to the character. That is what that character did.
0: Yeah, he's not mugging any more than DeForest right. uh, Whitaker Gump was was uh, <laughs> Kelly, DeForest Kelly. Yeah, I I just I love him in that movie, and I can't recommend that movie. When enough I to revisited people. The Born Supremacy, people mm-hmm. forget Carl Urban's the bad guy in that movie. No shit, I do forget. He that. is a Russian, uh-huh. a Russian uh, assassin. Yeah, and he doesn't say much. Yep, it's all just him mugging through. I'm not mugging, but doing face work through a scope of a sniper rifle. Awesome. It's that actually ended up being my favorite. I know I you always, told me. I always thought. I it was remember like my that least one is favorite. the worst. That was easily my favorite. I,
2: I've seen other people revisiting the trilogy as the new ones coming out, and a lot of people are saying that it's good. And he's he's got a lot to do with it. He's yeah. a good villain. Yeah,
0: and and you know you know why he's a good villain because he's he is forgettable. Right. He's, he's a spy mm-hmm. he's got to be in and out yep. the only reason you remember his face is because he spends
2: time yep. fighting with, with Bourne That's, nobody remembers that Clive Owen is one of the assassins in the original one because yep. he does the same thing he's yep. an in and out assassin he's so good at it oh, I want to see more Clive Owen he's good but he's great uh, but he's stuck playing Clive Owen <laughs> I know I uh. know and that's uh,
0: the thing, Carl Urban really could be stuck playing Carl Urban, and he hasn't. He hasn't been. I've never seen him play
2: I, the same and thing And I twice. almost think to like the detriment of his career, it's almost like I, he seems like the kind of guy that if he had a thing that mm-hmm. people could pinpoint on him, he'd get cast all the time to do that thing. Oh, yeah. But because he is smarter than that and wants to probably have a better career than that, he refuses to do it, and I think that... He's and still got a franchise out of it. Right, I know. So he's but he's winning. like, he's so chameleon that he almost, he hasn't quite hit that level of fame that everybody else yeah, has. Yeah, yeah, And I, I wish he would because he's he deserves He's fighting for more dread.
0: He, I know. He's like the biggest proponent I of it. I would love which to, to awesome. see more dread it with It shows him.
2: he cares about the character. Totally. Yeah. I would love to see more dread with him. He's great in that. People should see that movie. We just, Carl Urban is uh, the yes, best. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's 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 the best. Dude, that movie, The Loft, which is like a remake of like yeah, a yeah, like yeah. a Danish movie or something, Not very good. He's great in it. Oh, he's so good. I should watch that. Yeah. I feel like I should watch it. He's good. All right. My number two, um, and I only just saw
0: this for the first time recently, and I used to watch the show all the time, but Samuel Gerard, the... Uh, U.S. Marshal tasked with bringing down the oh. fugitive as portrayed by Tommy Lee Jones in the movie. Yes. Awesome. So great.
2: Awesome. Have you ever seen U.S. Marshals? The, yeah. The yeah. Like I actually saw sequel? that
0: years and years ago, long before I, I saw ever that seen before I saw the fugitive again. too. Yeah. I remember enjoying it, but I was like, yeah, nine. Yeah, me too. I was really uh, young. But this is a good character. And when people think the fugitive, yep. they think of Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. He has that great line when um, he's, I didn't kill my wife he goes, I don't care. Yeah. Because it's not his job. Nope. That's the judge's job. Yep. He's just got to bring him in. Yep. Awesome. Justice. Awesome. That's, that's all he's there for. Samuel Gerard. Yep. And it's crazy. I've, I've seen so much of the original TV show. I could not tell you what the guy even looks like right. that plays him. Right. I could close my eyes and picture Tommy Lee Jones just in black and white yep. doing the same thing. He's awesome in that movie. He is
2: so good in that and movie.
0: And that actually connects loosely to Carl Urban. Ready? Ready? Here we Hit go. Me. Because uh, uh, I almost called it wrongfully accused. <laughs> ha. Uh because the Fugitive is written by David Twohy, Okay. Who wrote and directed all of the Riddick movies. Oh. And Riddick features Carl Urban. Does it really? It does indeed. It's another reason to see Riddick. Yeah, I well, I forget whether he's in the Chronicles of Riddick or Riddick. Right. But um all three of those movies are fun, but Riddick is the best. That really? movie fucking rules. Cool. Yeah. Uh what's his name? Uh Vin Diesel
2: put up his house to get the budget. Right, for that's what movie. I thought. Yeah. yeah, I know that was like a big deal to him to get that There's one his off passion the ground project. Because the, Pitch the Black first is supposed one's pretty good, right? It's, like a, it's just a like a like a horror movie, oh, in kind space. of a horror movie. Yeah. The
0: second one they build on the world, and it's like maybe we didn't need to know this much. Colm yeah. Comfiore is a, yeah, as a villain, he's I love great. That guy. But the third one kind of mixes the two, and it's got some Carl Urban. Gets it's it just got right. some Bakim Woodbine. Yeah, it's got some. It's good. Is shit. that the one that
2: has the girl from uh, 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 Battlestar Galactica? I'd, I don't know I don't know what Battlestar Galacta mm. cast is like I think it might be but I don't know. Hit us uh, with the next one. Uh, this is my last one, uh, and I saved this one for last because th- this one breaks every conceivable rule that we've come Perfect. up with. But I ha- I had to put this one in. I just had to. I, I there, the it, it is a remake of a uh, uh, of a series kind of. We've had a we've had a few entries in this series. They're all wild. They're all crazy. I was not crazy about this remake. But there was one element of this remake that I thought was amazing and I couldn't believe was not actually from any of the originals. And so to me, this is like that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, this is a reboot. It's not really recasting because it's not something from the original. But it's like this is the addition to the formula that is necessary and is so great. Oh, I'm curious. The blood rain in Evil Dead. You know what I'm talk about when it starts raining uh, blood yeah. at the end of the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, that is the greatest fucking that finale of Evil Dead. I that did not awesome. like that remake. That last oh, twenty I minutes. I love that remake. That last twenty minutes Chainsaw is incredible. In the head. Mm. And it, it, like when it. it starts raining blood, I was like, "This is the most metal thing I've ever yeah. seen." I was so excited. That I feel like the original. When I closed
0: my eyes, all of them had blood raining right. all the time, and, and none of don't. them did. None of them. None did. of them did. It's it's the, it's the necessary wild. element that was well, missing from those. Could be argued that. There is a, a short shower of blood at the beginning of Army of Darkness yes, from yes. the pit, but that's comical. Yes, yeah, yeah that's why. That's I, <laughs> I'm glad you chose that. That's I'd, a good choice. I, I was
2: gonna put, I, and I don't even know her name. I was gonna say the actress's name that ultimately yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the who plays Mia, who like ultimately becomes, yeah, the, Ash, becomes the Ash. to yeah. be like, oh, she's like the recasting of Ash, and that's interesting. And then I was like, I'd be forcing that answer. All I really care about is the fucking blood that starts oh, yeah. raining from the sky. That's amazing.
0: I guess you could say it was a recasting of the concept of the evil. <laughs> yes because yeah. it is a it, it that is a character that's yep. in all those movies, oh yeah distinctly distinctly um yep. the evil is distinctly a character yep. that just has different vessels, yeah um we see from its point of view for large portions of the yep. movie, so for all of the different things that it can manifest it's the new thing in that movie it was able to manifest was precisely that blood rain I say it's valid love it you've seen the originals it was oh, yeah. a recasting yeah it's love valid it. it doesn't break any rules love it. My number one is, I I put this up there because it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I thought the remake was unnecessary, but interesting enough. Okay. And uh, you know what it is, I bet. Uh, I think I do.
2: um, Sleuth. Oh! Oh! What do you think it was? No. Uh, no, was Sleuth? Uh no, I didn't think it was Sleuth. I thought it uh uh it already slipped my brain what I what I thought Michael you were Caine necessary. is the yeah. Recasting. Oh, oh, I sorry, I thought it was going to be Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That was what I guessed oh, earlier. Okay, okay. yeah, that, that's, that's a, good a remake one. as well and he's in it.
0: In Sleuth, uh,
2: Sleuth I've never which, seen Sleuth. You really Either should see
0: the le- Don't read anything about it. Okay. I'm going to be very careful so as to not spoil anything, Please. but Sleuth stars Laurence Olivier yeah. and Michael Caine. Uh-huh. Lawrence Olivier plays the old guy. Yep. Michael Kane plays the young guy yep. who is taking his wife away from him. And they're meeting. What do you mean, taking his wife away from him? Uh, he, his wife is uh, Lawrence Olivier's wife is leaving him for Michael Okay, Caine. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they've decided to meet to discuss the terms of how this is all going to go down. Okay. And Lawrence Olivier is over her. It's no big deal, but it's yep. a possession thing. Mm-hmm. Michael Kane is like, listen, you know, I. I just want her, and I'm out. That's, no that's disrespect. All I no want disrespect. Your wife. <laughs> this is the way it's got to be. Yeah. And so it's just old, prideful guy, young, prideful guy. Yep. And it is just a, a movie about like a battle you know, of wits, a battle, a battle of of wills, even. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. I don't want to say more, um, but that's what it is. Kenneth Branagh directed a remake mm. and made it a little bit more hip and a little bit more tech like. And Michael Caine now plays Lawrence Olivier's role. Whoa! And Jude Law plays Michael Caine's Whoa. role, which he also had done previously with uh, Alfie. Right. Um. So it's the same exact movie. They do add a weird element to it that kind of changes it. That I think is interesting. It's valid. It's it's one of those remakes. Uh, it's certainly a better remake than Old Boy, but it's yeah. one of those where you're like, why? Yeah. Just we watch doing? the original. Yeah. Uh, the original does everything you're doing better that said the remake becomes interesting by way of you get to watch Michael Caine, who remembers doing the one performance now playing the foil to yeah, that same pretty performance cool. it's cool um, if you're going to watch them watch the original in that it's order from 72 i have the dvd we should totally do an episode on I it i would love to it's awesome and then the uh, the sequ- uh, the sequel the uh, remake. remake yeah uh, definitely worth watching just as a study yep but sleuth is cool yeah you get to see young Michael Caine play Jude Law and old Michael Caine play Lawrence Olivier while Jude Law plays young Michael it's awesome that's
2: so cool awesome I love that
0: but seriously don't read anything I unless you know I'm the better gonna check those out yeah, yeah.
2: that sounds great. I, uh, I'm i I'm also a huge Michael. C- I, th- I really thought you were going to say Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and you were like, oh, he's I on I didn't realize list. that was a remake. It's, it's and a remake. Now
0: that you're mentioning I feel like I knew that. But, yeah. uh, was it yeah. like a French movie or something? I, I think so, those, yeah. yeah, and I, I've never seen the original. Like I, When I was looking through different movies for this, I had no idea. Some Like It Hot is a remake. Dude, uh, so many movies. The Birdcage actually almost made it on my right. list, except I've never, I've never La-Kai seen The Cage a I thought that, too. I about love Birdcage. It's so funny.
2: great. Gene Hackman is awesome in oh, that movie. Yeah. It's
0: and what's funny about Gene Hackman is knowing that he's such a fucking curmudgeon in real life, and seeing that movie, it's like, what did they pay him? I know, or is he just a goddamn genius? Yeah, probably both. Probably both. <laughs> uh, I miss Hackman. Yeah, yeah. we got to we'll we, do something. We got to get a
2: Hackman movie in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we always wanted to do the conversation. Oh, yeah. Or Royal Tenenbaum's yeah. and all that stuff, but yeah. we'll definitely get to it. Yeah. Um, should should so we
2: reveal the winner of our contest? Yes. Our very so first contest? On our Videodrome
0: episode, we had a contest that we put out there, which was in honor of Debbie Harry. Yes. Uh, being uh, you <laughs> know, <laughs> being <doing> a Burnett. <laughs> basically, being a non musical role. Yes. And um, so we put it out there to say, you know, what was your favorite time that and we didn't really make any specific rules, but just when a musician showed up in a movie. Mm hmm. And uh, so we got some entries, and we,
2: we have one, and it's... Uh... We picked one out, and uh, it's from uh, Mike Doherty, uh, which if you're familiar with this podcast, you might recognize that name. Uh, and here's what Mike said. Uh, he said, "Longtime listener, one-time guest, first-time write-in. Thanks, Mike. He said, I suggest Bruce Springsteen's cameo in High Fidelity. Why? You call, you ask them how they are, you see if they've forgiven you. They may- They feel good, maybe, but you feel better. That's what you're looking for, you know. Get ready to start again. It'll be good for you. Give the big final good luck and goodbye to your all-time top five and just move on down the road. That's, I believe, a quote from yes. Bruce Springsteen's scene um, in High Fidelity. In his scene in High Fidelity,
0: I believe what it is is uh, when John Cusack's character is considering whether he should go back to his previous exes to figure out where it all went wrong and yep. talk to them, he looks up at his ceiling one night and sees the boss who has got his foot up on an amp yep. and just gives him some advice saying, hey. And, and it's it's... Pretty bad advice. Yep. But it's his way of justifying it because kind of the theme of that movie is that the
2: expectations set upon us by pop music are unfair to everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and Mike actually has a decent reason here. He said, uh, everyone has those moments in life where you think songs literally speak to you personally. And Springsteen's cameo literally addresses John Cusack's thoughts. It gives us all comfort that whatever we're feeling, all of our rock gods have felt it at one point too. Cusack's character would be listening to Bruce and realize, oh, The boss has been through this too. Life will be okay. Uh, And he says if he wins, he wants us to do high fidelity. Well, Mike, you won. We're gonna have to do high fidelity. We'll definitely do high fidelity. Yeah. That's actually
0: been on our radar for some time. It has
2: indeed. That's uh I have rewatched that movie countless times. Oh, it's times. great. It's it's I think especially as, a young, guys. Yeah, as yeah, as a young man, that movie will really, really speak to you, I think, mm-hmm. in general.
0: And I think as an older man that I've se- I've actually seen it quite recently, it spoke to me more because I am now at a point where if I look at my past relationships, I have started to consider that I wasn't the hero all the time. Yep. Uh, when you're fifteen, you're the hero. Oh yeah. And you are owed all of what comes with a relationship. When oh, you're yeah. an adult, you look back and realize I didn't I, work for any of that shit. Exa- well, it just I, I didn't approach that properly. Yeah. Um I, I and and you know, nobody did, probably. Mm-hmm. But you know, you when you're in the relationship, when you're doing your thing, you you always think of yourself as faultless. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at high fidelity and you're watching uh Believe his name is Rob Cohen in that. Which Rob, is, yeah, I don't know which if is the name, name of uh, but... the Fast and the Furious director oh, yeah. and Triple X director yeah. and Dragon a Bruce Lee story director, <laughs> which I caught some of this weekend. Garbage, <laughs> um, love it. Garbage, um, but uh, yeah, when
2: he, he's you watch him learn what we should all learn. Yeah, a little bit of self love. Yeah, well, and you know what I always appreciated about that. And well, you know, I guess we'll get into this when we when we watch the movie for an episode coming up. But uh, it's interesting that now that I'm almost thirty, I watch that movie now. And I go, it was not that long ago, it was just like five years ago, that I I was literally that guy. Yeah. Where uh, my only memory of myself in my relationships was, as the best part of the relationship, everything else was shit. Somebody else fucked it up. And recounting my past and going through ex-girlfriends and trying to figure out what went wrong, who went wrong, where I, I was that guy at a certain point not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to be on the other side of that and be able to look at that movie as like, oh, when I was 25, I would watch this movie and go, yeah, this movie gets me. That's how I feel. And to look at it now and go, oh, that movie wanted me to reconsider feeling that way. Oh, yeah. That's the point of that movie. It wanted me to reconsider feeling that way. It's so weird that I wasn't able to get that until I had myself reconsidered feeling that way. That's, that's going to make a good episode. I know, So yeah. congratulations, Mike. Mike, um, To the other
0: listeners, please don't, don't uh, believe this to be nepotism in any oh, type no, of way. No. It's just that the explanation as to why uh, Bruce Springsteen is a good choice. I I don't know. I I think that really resonates and it's going to kick off a really
2: interesting point for the episode. He hit us with a really good response. So when we do contests in the future, that's really what we need from people. We Mm -hmm. got more responses than that, but we really want to hear from you guys. Like, what is it about this thing that interests you so much that we should talk about it? Mm-hmm, absolutely,
0: and so, um, and honestly, uh, if you would like to uh, send in some more entries, please, please. do. We're going to set up some contests in the future, but uh, we just, as as always, contest or no contest, we invite you to play along. Yes, uh, any feedback you want, even if there's just something completely off the wall about movies that you want to reach out to us and talk about, it'll yeah. always be interesting to talk about on the air. Yeah, you know what? If you want to talk about it, we want to talk about it, because you're the one who listens.
2: Email us when we're wrong, too. You know what I said last week? That the kid that spray-painted the no ghost sign was the kid who played uh, Oscar in Ghostbusters 2. This breaks my heart to know that that's not true. Here's the thing. I don't even know if it's true anymore, but I heard a comedian on another podcast reference him as if they knew him as a comic, which made me think... Probably not the kid that played Oscar in Ghostbusters I'm getting, 2.
0: The, before we finish Before we get this, off the
2: air, please look that up do, for our, me. do our plugs. I will. So, okay, you guys can find... Seriously, email us. Tell me I'm wrong when I'm wrong, because I'm wrong all the time. Email us at iliketomovie at gmail.com. That's with the number two. You can find us on Twitter at i movie. That's the number two. Facebook.com slash Uh And just get in touch with us. Tell us what you want us to talk about. What movies you think we need to see that maybe we haven't? Uh, anything. We want to interact with you guys. Be, be interactive with us. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate the show. We want to get to that front page so we can start meeting Moria, talking to Moria. Uh, and uh, find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. I uh, type jokes into that thing from time to time. Uh, you can find me on letterboxed.com slash Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, and that's where I review every damn movie I watch. And uh, do we have any confirmation one way or the other, Dan? It's leading to more questions.
0: Oh. Because I can confirm that he is not Okay. Not Oscar from Ghostbusters Two. But his name is Nate Cordry. Oh. And he's on a lot of things with Rob Cordry. It's his brother. Is that his, brother? his brother's name? Okay, well that's then it's definitely his, brother. his brother's name. Because I'm clicking around
2: to see if I can confirm that, that it's his brother. See, that was I knew I heard a comedian go like, "Oh, that," and then Nate showed up, and I loved that Nate showed up, and I was like, "Oh no, wait, that's probably not that's probably not who somebody told me it was." Rob then. Corgi's I just brother. believed some asshole who was like, "Yeah," and even not Baby Oscar was in the movie. I'm going to continue
0: to believe that, yeah. because that's what I need. Doesn't
2: it delight you so much? It to, does. to think that Is that's that, what like, happened in that movie. Seriously, <laughs> broke my fucking heart to
0: find out that, that wasn't real. Uh, you know what I uh, want to hear? Some heartbreaking news. Yes, Folsom Prison Blues. Sorry, live at Folsom Prison, the Johnny Cash album. Oh yes, the part where he says, "I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die," yeah. and all of the inmates cheer. Yeah, that was not real. Wait, what? Uh, the inmates do cheer during yeah. that song and during that album, but at the threat of the guards, the inmates were mostly silent. Anytime that a jail was mentioned, a crime was mentioned, they were warned that if they made any noise, there would be repercussions. So they just had to, like, sweeten it after the fact? A lot of the cheering in Folsom Prison Blues is canned. Wow. I learned that on Reddit the other day, and I researched it on the ride over here today. That's true. Heart broken. Ah. Some of the cheers are real, but sweetened is the word. Yeah, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter <laughs> for more stuff like that at Dan Scully. You can check me out, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. It is at Dan Scully. And as always, log on to Cynadelphia.com for some uh, reviews and such from me. And um, also, uh, just while, while you, I don't believe you mentioned it, you just got published in what was the name of that blog? Oh, Farsighted Blog? Farsighted Blog. So right. check out FarsightedBlog.com. Yeah, FarsightedBlog.com. Yep. Check that out. There's a, uh, I checked it out. There's actually a lot of really good, interesting stuff out there. It yeah, seems he's got to be great writers. culture with.
2: Social awareness to it. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Great so blog. We're
0: about that. Check that out. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Let's sign off. Let's and we'll, do it. Uh, hey, uh, we will. We're gonna have to do this again because I just realized we didn't talk about this or think about this. We will throw an announcement on uh, Facebook and Twitter about what the next movie is gonna be. I think it should just be High Fidelity. High Fidelity is the next movie. Look forward to it. Yes. So uh, we'll check
0: be- out High Fidelity. Revisit
2: it. Yep. Watch it for the first time. Then come back
0: and, and we will pick it apart. Yeah,
2: tune in for us in a week or two for that. Uh, and so my name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie.
0: My name is Dan Scully and I also like to
2: movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because, because we like, like
0: to movie.
1: movie. Oh.
2: <sighs> we didn't know